Today's show is brought to you by Me Undies. Bad Christian listeners can go get 20% off your first order at MeUndies.com slash BadChristian. That's MeUndies.com slash BadChristian. This episode is also brought to you by Blue Apron. Blue Apron sends gourmet recipes and all the fresh ingredients you need to make them right to your door. And our listeners get their first two meals for free. Just go to blueapron.com slash badchristian. Start cooking incredible meals at home with Blue Apron. Blueapron.com slash badchristian. You are now entering the Bad Christian Podcast. Good morning, nut jobs. And I say uh, morning as in it's just after midnight here as I post this episode. I'm glad to be back in Seattle after my trip. I was just with Toby and Joey in Charleston. We recorded a bunch of stuff, some great interviews, including today's with Billy Power. Thank you for everybody for downloading the episode with Under Oath. That was a tremendous one last week. Let me tell you about a couple things before we get going here. A band that we're helping helping a bit is some of our best friends, and that's Bobby and Nick from Gatsby's American Dream. They're in a band now called The Money Pit, and The Money Pit's album is out now. You can get it on iTunes. You can get it at moneypitmusic.com. You can get it at Bandcamp. This album is one of the best ones that I've heard in a really long time. It's available. We've been talking about the pre-order, but if you get the chance, go listen to some of it, moneypitmusic.com. Buy this thing. You can get it for 8 bucks. It's incredible. The band will get the money. They're independent. That's amazing as we're celebrating is great. Additionally, there's another little independent band that I'm partial to, and that's Emory. Now, Emory is doing tour dates on, guess what, the Midwest and the East Coast. We're going to be playing The Question front to back, plus a bunch of other songs. Now, here's the coolest part. If you're a a bad Christian listener or you have any interest in us as individuals or the band, you can come hang out with us on our tour bus, have a beer, um, meet us. We're going to play an acoustic set. We'll hang out a little bit. We call it a VIP. You can go to emoryvip.com, look at all the tour dates, pick out what you want to do, go to the show, do the VIP. It's great. Uh, we really enjoy doing this. It. a way for us to earn extra money and hang out with the people that care the most. Um, so please do that. Also, I just did a Break It Down episode with my favorite artist of all time and Emory's biggest influence, and that's Dave Bazan, Pedro the Lion. I'm super excited about that. So that's my last plug. Go to BreakItDownPod.com. Listen to the Break It Down podcast. Subscribe. Tell people about that and the Bad Christian podcast while you're at it. All right, Toby, Joey, hit it. Three, two, <laughs> one. No, hold, seriously, hold on no, for a seriously, second. Hold on. Hey, I did want to say something. <laughs> Joey, drop some bass. Okay. Diarrhea. When you're walking down the hall and you feel something fall, <laughs> big Christian Porky. <laughs> All right, here's the problem. Here's with the, the problem. Here's the problem. With the oh, here's the problem. I'm in Charleston. No, oh. here's the problem oh, with the diarrhea my pa- song. My grandfather passed away. Oh. <laughs> you're sliding into third, and what? <laughs> you fill. You lay a big fat turd, <laughs> and then what? When you're sliding in the home. No, no, when you're sliding in the third, you feel a big turd. turd. Diarrhea, cha-cha-cha, right. diarrhea, cha-cha-cha. Right. 
A turd is not diarrhea. That's a solid that non-diarrhea a turd. Eesh. Yeah. I'm going to have to disagree. I think there are turds within diarrhea that happen. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I've experienced that. Now, You're, a oh, turd wait, wait, wait. is not diarrhea. Okay, hold on. But what Invalidates is, those, okay, that what is verse the of the song. What is the classification of a turd? When you're going into home and your pants are full of foam, definitely diarrhea. I thought it was when you're going into home and you feel something wrong. <laughs> that's definitely diarrhea. <laughs> okay. If you go into first and you feel a burst, that's diarrhea. Okay. But if you're looking at a river and you see a piece of a piece of driftwood, it's still it's still the river. river. <laughs> it's still the river. Yeah, the river's still <laughs> so, flowing. So my point is, okay. I feel confident in saying that I've had diarrhea with and there was a there were turds. Okay, so Joey, go ahead. Yeah. What do you, Pastor think? Joey? No, I'm I'm shifting gears a bit. You're shitting gears. <laughs> hey, so Joey's shitting gears right now. <laughs> we were at this nursing home that Toby and I. Um, I wasn't there. <laughs> yeah. No, I wasn't there. So listen to this. No, I was not there. I was Joey. like, hey, let's uh, let's visit Miss Mary. And no, no, no. Toby says something about Miss Mary. Hey, we should probably go in there. But Toby says we should probably go in there. But then he also <laughs> says, hey, man. I don't think I can go in there because he says, I'm telling you, and he's, he's being sincere. He's like, this smell is just so horrible. He said, I just don't think I can take it. And I was like, uh, no, we should, we should probably go in there. And so I, I knock and he's kind of looking, you can tell too. He's like, Oh, I hope she doesn't say anything. So he actually hears her say, come on in. He, he's like, come on in. So I turned to Toby and I was like, Toby, so bad smell as in like poopy or, or pee. And he is not kidding. He pauses his eyes go in the back of his head like he's thinking, and he, then he looks at me and says, death. It is. <laughs> and he was serious. And so... It, well, it is. Right, so, I wasn't being mean. So oh, af boy. after visiting with this lady, and it really was a, it was a, it was a horrible <laughs> sight because it's a human being laying in bed, delighted to see two human beings come up to her bed, holding my hand. It, I... I have to say I had that feeling of, I think I'm going to throw up. Like, it was that bad. So when we left, I was like, Toby, that is not the smell of death. That is poopy smell, pee smell. She's she's not able to clean herself well and everything. But you stu stood your ground that that's what death smells like. She is a clean person, and I her room is clean, everything's clean, and I promise you it's just that she is disintegrating and <laughs> it's not true <laughs> it she's is. alive no she's alive but her body is disintegrating it's not like disintegrating it's, it's, it's all right like science death. matt it's biodegradable and i believe there's a smell that comes with death i think that's pre -death. A, a, an effect of sin pre-death an effect of sin is stench so you truly believe that we smell death i think that yeah i think we do I think we did, and I, I think it smells a certain way because it is not. I mean, she's not. I mean, you're the sick bastard that thinks she's pissing and shitting everywhere and can't clean herself. I think she's a very clean person that All just smells like death. Just smells like somebody dying. Oh my gosh. 100%. 100%. I mean, there's no getting around it, and it makes me feel terrible, and I hate. That I feel that way, that I can't get past it. I promise when I walk in the room, I, I kind of hold my nose a little bit and just try and look there's around. Well, times when I put my shoulder up to my yeah. nose, for sure, it was just, it's unbelievable. It's unbearable. Well, most Matt, likely, though, there is an organic, uh, you know, science. Human and people stink when they die. Reason that. Are dying. Well, I, what, I, what I would. But what I told Toby is her body is not decomposing. No, her body is not decomposing. So most likely, it there is. is an organic reason. Some, it's disintegrating. Some, some kind of. 
you know, piss or shit. Uh, some no. sore on her body. See, there's things that, that can, there's plenty of things that can smell. Right. There's plenty of things that can smell, but, but for sure, we know that empathetic, sensitive Toby is probably, his, what his brain is making out of the sensory data is probably heightened greatly by his perception of knowing a dying person. That really, you know what I mean? That part really enhances whatever the sensory data going in your brain is with you understanding and knowing the situation really amps it up a lot more. For instance, would you rather, like if a baby throws up, you can handle that. If a gross homeless person throws up on you, you can't handle that. Sure. The contents of the vomit are very, very similar. Yeah. Right? No, I, they're, no they're not. 100% different. A baby has mother's breast milk, and it is way different. No, if a four-year-old, a cute four, if a cute four-year-old pizza. ate beer and threw up on you, you that would not be near as alarming as a scary, gross, homeless person walks up and throws up on you. The bio mat- matter there, it would be the same. I but your but you but you what you would make out of it I'm, reasonably and rightfully so would be worse. You'd rather get pissed on by a nine year old than a than a forty five year old homeless man. So guys, this is the Sad Christian Podcast. We're all here in the same room. No. Nope. Matt Carter is visiting from Seattle. His grandpa did die. Uh, Toby is sitting here with us. We're all in the church office that Toby and I hang out with all the time. Matt, what do you think about this office, man? And how's how's your stay in Charleston? Well, I think there's a lot of stuff in this church office that would be better use in the community. I think it's a big <laughs> oh waste of, of corporate church funds. <laughs> I mean, who's paying the power bill right now? Think about it. <laughs> yeah. Just for us to be in here clowning at on on the church goers' ex- dime. I think it's a shame. No, 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 no. You misunderstand. I mean, this crazy. We get to do this. <laughs> the, they want this to happen. Wow. Hey, guys, guess who's here? The, the pizza, pizza guy? guy? Hold on. Let's do this. Okay. All right. I'm going to ask him if he'll come on our podcast. Are you serious? Hey, man, I've got some pizzas here. All right. What what is your name? Steve. 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 Yes. You work for Domino, Steve. I do. How long have you been working there? Since February. Sweet. Since February. You, you like it, Dollar Boy? I love it, dude. Is ju- is he the fattest guy you've ever delivered pizza to? <laughs> Not even close. <laughs> 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 All right, let's pay Steve. Awesome. Thanks, Steve. All right, man. No problem. All right. You're a live audience here. Yeah. No, no, it's, it's not, not live at the moment. Yeah, check it out. It's the Bad Christian Podcast. All one word. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Perfect, man. You know, I have Sweet. to check it out, dude. Yeah. yeah. Hey, thanks, y'all. Have Sweet. A- All right, Thank you, Steve. Steve. Have a good night, man. Thanks, y'all. <laughs> that is, is so did, cool. Did he not sound What's like Neil? Part? He sounds like he Neil. Sound, I mean, <laughs> he's more Neil than Neil. <laughs> I, I mean, Neil's never sounded more like <laughs> Steve in his life. <laughs> I wish we, I wish hey, we would have. I might have to check that podcast out. And he said, all right. <laughs> he said, all right, dude. All right, dude. I, hey. <laughs> I, I wish we would have been able to have a microphone out there. Hey, and just can you be? I'll be Steve. You be Neil. Steve. Uh, hey, I just went. Uh, hey, Neil. I just went and delivered some pizza to the bad Christian boy. Is that who you delivered to? Hey, man. I got these hey. pizzas. Damn it. <laughs> damn it. Hey, on hey, it. Man. hey, man. Hey, <laughs> man. Name Steve. <laughs> he was. He was. He was so. He was, he was cool. so awesome. He just went right Please, along. Please, Steve. I hope you're listening. Okay, so Ashley Madison, right? Yeah. Now, this I just 
saw on my way here. Yeah. Uh, a week uh, about on August 25th, RC Sproul put uh, made a. You know who RC Sproul is? Oh, yes. He's a super Calvinist guy, really awesome. A guy actually modern day theologian. Yeah, I really like. Like, I think he's super smart, really good. He put a thing up about. He said it was talking about Josh Duggar on Ashley Madison and how we should respond to it. Mostly saying it's none of our business and how, but also how bad that is and what what an offense it is to this or whatever. Suspe- R.C. Sproul suspended today. Had Ashley Madison account. No. no. Well, he ha- it wasn't a paid account, but he and he, he wrote he admitted it. He suspended from whatever his ministry is. R.C. Sproul. R.C. Sproul. Sproul had an Ashley Madison yes. account. Yes, I don't. He's know. like eighty. No, I don't know if he's eighty. It's, it's it's crazy. And he wrote a thing. He said, in a moment of weakness, he said he first of all it was like in light of my involvement, I should not have written the Josh Duggar post about it. Oh, my in God. A, in he head. says, in a moment, I, I mean, I'm processing this in real time. I don't have any collected thoughts on it or whatever. I, my Whoa. wife and I have given money to Ligonier Ministries, yeah. which he runs. Yeah, I like it. But So he said that he, in a moment of weakness, um, went on there, gave his e- an old email address, and did like some browsing or whatever. He didn't have an affair. <laughs> oh, no. Nor did he, nor did he ever pay for an account. So he probably did. I'm assuming that would be a trial membership or something like that, you know, kind of thing. And so whatever. So in a moment of weakness, pain, and from yep. an unhealthy curiosity, my goal was not to gather research for critical commentary, but came to clean, fan the flames kinda. of my imagination. He came clean, kinda, or maybe got out. I don't really know. But he had written up a full post regarding it six days earlier about somebody else. So it's. Wait. So let, listen. How listen. Can let, he oh, write hold on. That? Hold on. Know, listen. But listen. That, but that's what I'm saying. You have to deal with the fact that he wrote a post six days earlier, knowing that at some point he had given that website his email address, and he didn't write that. You know what I mean? What 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 does he mean so by this? He wrote that post thinking he checked it out and was like, "I'm safe." I don't and know. And then later he got caught. I don't know. He really says, don't. first, I felt the grace of fear." What does that mean? Second, I felt the grace of shame. I was there long enough to leave an old email address, and within minutes I left, never to return, mm-hmm. he wrote. I did not sign up for their service or interact with any clients. I've always remained faithful sure. to my wife, even after her passing. His wife died of cancer in 2011. I mean, if he wasn't honest, really, originally, like, who's to say that it won't come out that he actually did interact with someone? No, I don't know. I, this is the kind of guy that I like, Gosh. and I would like to give the benefit of the doubt, yeah, too. Yeah, seriously. But I mean, here, I here we are. We have I, to- I would just say, okay, I'll, put, I'll put it this way. It wouldn't be that crazy if I, at some point, gave Ashley Madison my email and did a trial thing, even right. it, and thinking I'm not going to do anything. I'm just curious. See who, how it works. Yeah, like I've looked at stuff on the internet before and thought, I'm going to see what this is. I'm not going to do this or that, but I'm curious. You know, like I, I well, guess just, I could. It's funny it. that you mentioned that Joey and I've been doing some research, man. <laughs> and this, I you mean, we thought database. we thought we make great podcasting, and we love you, dude, but. But I think this whole thing is crazy because here's the weirdest thing about the Ashley Madison thing. I read a really, the coolest thing I read about it is how many women were not on it. Oh, I know. Like they said, the the thing, the best one I read said maybe no more than 1,500 women had active accounts that they were using out of the 38 million. They said it was like twelve or 13,000 to one. Male, no, to th- like literally, no. they, yeah. So that they men said, doing stuff and women, yeah. Responded. So they said it was maybe as much 38 million accounts, almost all of most of which were like fake or spammy, whatever. Most and then the men, there was millions of men still, but only a few thousand women 
that were legitimately on it and had checked their were active, like you know, kind of thing. So it was really just like a, a data mining. Okay. Uh, it, basically, the business model for Ashley Madison was get people's info, sell it, and then they would pay to get their info theoretically stripped from the website, and then clearly it didn't. I mean, it really happen. does but what suck a crazy though, because 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 think about think think about the three of us. We've had an unhealthy curiosity to check out porn in a moment of weakness. This is just the it's, same it's, thing, it's similar, except yeah. I'm giving my email address right. to, to, you know, I'm sure he felt right. that that excitement of, right. oh my gosh, you know what this could lead because to? I'm not going to do out, it. It wasn't millions of people having affairs. It was a millions of people like buying into the th- thought, the, just the thought the of idea. Like, exploring the whatever. Well, nothing but love, Mr. RC. That, yep. that does suck. Um, hey, whoa, whoa, I, whoa, whoa, hold on. We got to stop here for a second. Okay, shit. I am so curious about this idea of if that's the case. Like seriously, the article I read was like twelve thousand to one. Yep, twelve thousand men writing, hitting up people to one female responding. Right, and you said fifteen hundred yep. to millions of men. Right. What does that mean about the sexual and emotional health of marriages? And is that only mean that men are just shitty and dirty and want more sex than women? No, it just means that that particular website geared at a very certain thing that happened to be hacked and leaked. That got everybody, including prominent Christians... I mean that that's not that it's it, that website they just here's the thing the no, guys website the, isn't so smart that they did this thing that just lured everybody in they nailed they, it though they, they nailed they nailed it they nailed what everybody wanted right Ashley Madison what, no no what, not what everybody what men wanted right and so my point is they just figured out a good website it, I mean how often have you gone on night. Ashley Madison after you had sex with your wife say again how how often have you gone on to porn or uh, j- just porn alone. How like often? minutes after? At, yeah, I don't know if I've ever done it minutes after, but certainly the next day. Okay, right, I, but, I, my, but my point is, uh, I, we probably even have to delete this. Uh, okay. <laughs> but my point, RC's is, wife died also. So he looked on. He looked on Ashley Madison. I think after it was before died. his wife died, but she has since died. Why did he go on Ashley Madison? I don't know. What's your guess? <laughs> Do you want me to say because the wife wasn't doing a good enough oh, job? No, no, no. My point is, all wives do a great job, and men have a fucked up porn idea that they think should be happening. They want, they want that lust. They want those things. And my point would be, women are doing probably a great job at sex, and men think it should be way more. Should be sex all the time. Should be blowjobs all the time. It should be this, 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 and this. Yeah. And no woman, no human could live up to that ideal that's just a fantasy because of how much actual what what R. C. Sproul didn't say. He probably looked at porn too. And I had a what, fantasy right, idea. Right. I mean well that if I mean, you're gonna all, go all, on Ashley Madison and cheat on your wife, you probably looked at porn well, too. He didn't yeah, and I, that. I I can understand that he would never have cheated on his wife even. But what I'm saying is that means that a prominent guy that I look up to and would not have even guessed as cynical totally. as I am, totally. still totally in there. Yeah. But how could he have written six days earlier 
and he didn't it wasn't scathing he wasn't distancing i mean it wasn't it wasn't crazy but right. how how could somebody who understands grace as much as he does why wouldn't how far are we all from a culture to where he would say oh i'm one of them readily oh wow that's what i'm saying how yeah. far why you say, hey, are we I'm from like that Josh Duggar. I did this. Right. Why wouldn't why wouldn't his article six days previous like here's why here's what you need to understand about Josh Duggar and R. C. Sproul. I also right. had it. I mean he could have written that same he could have he could have said that six first of all, he could have said it six years ago or whatever it was. But he could have said it six days ago. He could have. Yeah. What prevents people from doing that? People in prominent. What prevents it? Tullian Chavidich, same thing. And that guy's awesome too. Okay. And he, I think he's doing a good job. And I think RC Sproul's response is kind of good given the terrible situation. But what, when is it going to be? Are we going to be able to fix the culture to where they can just actually say it when it happens or yeah. way or ahead of the curve? Why can't Josh Duggar, RC Sproul, Tolian Chavidich, or Toby say it way ahead? Are we, okay. Do we not believe but because what we say? My point would be is that men specifically i'm going to talk to men right now about men believe in a fantasy world that doesn't exist and so how can you even get to the real i mean i mean seriously like if if you're talking 12,000 men looking for a female to cheat on their spouse with to one female that wants to cheat on their spouse and there's even other studies or, and or discussions going on that the men were talking to each, just to each other and, yeah, and what, sure. what all that all that's going on so my point is there's a bizarre outrageous idea of what sex is in male culture that is absurd and wrong even in this room right here where us three see it of what we think sex should be including me starting with me right here and so that's why these things happen because you think sex should be oh wow just crazy and awesome and it should be about sex and all stuff and i believe i i mean this sounds almost sexist but i think female females see it a lot differently Obviously, everybody knows that. Well, men are from Venus, women from Mars, whatever, blah, blah, blah. But my whole thing is, it is we cannot just skip over the idea that all these men wanted to have at least the idea of cheating on their spouse. Yeah. For what? Only sex. That's it. But that is they, the they, They're not thinking about taking them out to dinner or doing this, this, and this. They're thinking no strings attached. attached crazy sex so we need to at least address the idea that men are really screwed up in their idea about what sex should be or women totally don't get it and we need to blame women we're not going to do that and that's not true that's not right that's not the way it should be so there has to be some kind of idea where rc sproul <laughs> even a major theologian <laughs> of our time goes hey maybe i'll chance this but yeah, what but you say there, chance there, it there, there's a there's a sinful aspect of both both descriptions, male and female. For for dudes, there's nothing wrong with us inherently liking sex for the physical act of it in itself. That's okay. The sinful part of that though is that we'll go anywhere to get it. Same thing as the female. There's nothing wrong for her to say, you know what, I don't wanna have sex with my husband because I don't feel emotionally connected. There's a there's actually something good there because of the emotional connection, but that would be a sin for her to say, nope. I, get away from me. We haven't even talked or something. So I, I, what you're describing is the difference between a male and female. So no, you're saying that there, it's sinful for a woman to say, hey, I don't want to have sex with you because we haven't talked. If and she, I'm saying men 
have so much so, even in my own life, exaggerated sex to such a high level that we that, that unbelievable amounts of people that now that you even know that are in the Christian world are getting busted for wanting this crazy idea of what sex is. That's so, one website. Okay, imagine all website. Okay, if four hundred Christian leaders are busted this week for one non porn website, right? Imagine if all. <laughs> imagine, imagine if every all per, IP. Every imagine Christian if all leader. IP. These same hackers hacked all IP data of all websites that contain pornography. Right. Then how many Christian leaders will right. be disqualified now, next week? So, all of them. Right. Ninety nine percent. Look! Look at my IP history last week. Right, I'm disqualified. Insane. Thought. Right? Just all I want everybody to do is the thought experiment. Imagine if all their data came out in the same database. Imagine if it wasn't one site, one site, and it's not even a porn site. It's actually beyond porn in a way. Like right. there's a lot of people who look at porn that wouldn't go to Ashley Madison. It's I would oh, argue yeah. it's a farther. Yeah. thing to give Ashley Madison an email. Much harder, much crazier, much more involved, much scarier, much more high risk to give Ashley Madison your email. Right. Way higher stakes than me click on a porn clip. Right. Okay? Right. So, yeah. now, imagine if those same hackers hacked everybody and all that data was released in this. And you could see what every politician, every church leader, every husband, every teenager had looked at then you would see, oh, he's on this bestiality site. He's on this underage site. He's on this yeah. uh, three-way site. Whatever it is. Imagine if that data came out and you could connect. And I, I won't name names, but just say ex-pastor was on uh, gangbang. Vi- he watched 92 gangbang videos. Joey Spencer was, was on 92 hours for Domino's website looking right. at pizza. I mean, just that, like the data is there. If there's 400 prominent Christian people... From one site, right. that's a tiny fraction of what we know pornography. It would be tens or hundreds of thousands of leaders. Yeah. Is who it would be. I mean, wh- oh. what's what's crazy? Are, are we and not- all male? Mostly. Uh, yeah, I mean, mostly. Uh, if you showed everybody's web history, I promise you, all the women would be Facebook, okay. Pinterest, and right. and Etsy and all these right. sites, and then men would be uh, looking at some kind of. Weird Let's go thing. one further. Wouldn't it be better if churches, you know, payroll records were all open and all men, everybody's web records were one hundred percent open? Wouldn't that just be better? Yeah. Wouldn't that yes. just be better? Yes. Because at least we know what we're dealing with. Invasion of privacy, though, is what everybody would say. Oh, I need my no, privacy. Yes, I, yeah, I, I'm not saying from a uh, politically and governmentally, yes, yeah, screw, screw the government. I agree with screw no, the no, government. No, no, no. However, but, from a, a Christian accountability point of view, wouldn't it just be better if everybody knew, if it was just wide open? It would be crazy, yeah. real no, bad, I, and then it would be better from there. I agree with you. I, even so much so as when people tell me that there's all these satellites and they're going to know where you are and they're going to see what you did and all this stuff, I promise you the only reason people are concerned about that is because you want to do bad shit. Only. So so my point would be even take God out of it, if, if everything is seen, people are going to see who you really it, are. It will be more in the future. Now, I agree that it's totally wrong governmentally to for them to collect Why? data and all that. I, I really 
But why do? Why do you feel that way? Because the people that are that are marginalized currently are Muslims. And or whoever, and that's right. bad, and they get really yeah, shitted yeah, on no, for no. stuff they're not doing wrong. Yeah, but I'm that's talking wrong. about I'm talking about middle class, upper right. class, white male females people. What are they What are they bummed out about that you're going to see what they actually are like? It, I'm just saying. That's it what I'm be, saying. Yeah, I agree. Forward. I agree with you. You had to stop government from if it was already our, known that everything you did would be known, it would be at least better. Oh, I agree. It'd just be better at least. I mean, and it's headed that way. I mean, this is a shock. Like, this is unprecedented, but, I mean, it's just going to be more and more unprecedented stuff like this is going to happen over and over again. But, anyway, looks like time's up here. Let's uh, let's take a break real quick, and we'll be right back with Billy Power. All right, folks. New sponsor. Love these guys. Me Undies. Me Undies makes underwear. Now, let me tell you how important underwear is. Think about it this way. It's the closest thing to your skin that you wear every day single day. It's a big deal. So MeUndy sent me some underwear and I'm wearing it right now. In fact, I'm sitting in my wife's closet wearing nothing but an orange pair of MeUndies. Now, here's the thing about MeUndies. It's made of modal fabric. That's twice as soft as cotton. That means it's twice as soft as whatever underwear you're wearing right now. Now, I'm a person who's been notoriously cheap, notoriously economic, and uh, frankly, lazy, and I've I've worn underwear for years until there was holes in it. It's it's lazy and it's inexcusable. And now I have a family. I'm a grown up, and it's it's time to level up. Now, Meundies has sent me this underwear, and yes, they sent me some for free. And so you could say, oh, sure, Matt. Well, they sent you good underwear for free, and that's why you're wearing it. But here is here's what's here's what's good. They have a money back guarantee. And if you don't love the first pair that you get from MeUndies, you get to keep them for free and get your money back. So you literally have nothing to lose. Just like me, you can get these things, you can try them, you can see what a difference it makes. And to sweeten the deal, MeUndies is offering 20% off your first order anyway. So you can go to MeUndies.com forward slash bad Christian. That's a special just for our listeners. Make sure you go to MeUndies.com forward slash bad Christian to get 20% off your first order. And so they'll know that we sent you. Trust me, you need to try this. It's worth it. You're worth it. You're a grown up now. You need good underwear. Now, your wife will probably respect you more if you have good underwear. And if I didn't mention this, they got women's underwear too. I hadn't been looking at it or anything, but they have some women's underwear. So men, go to the men's section. Women, go to the women's section. Look at your underwear. Get some. Go to MeUndies.com slash BadChristian. Okay. You know the other sponsor that is just too good? It's just too good to be true. That's Blue Apron, folks. Now, some of the best meals I've ever had in my life were Blue Apron. There were things I cooked at home. They have amazing menus that they continually add new recipes to every single week. Now, the best part about it is that you would never think to make. Like, yeah, sure, you make tacos cheeseburgers, grilled chicken. Okay, that's what you got. But guess what? Blue Apron is giving you Mediterranean dishes, Italian dishes, American dishes, Indian dishes, stuff from all over the world that's gourmet with ingredients you've never heard of that are amazing. And even better than that, you don't have to decide it. You don't have to think about it. You don't have to wander the aisles of the grocery store. They set you up for home runs each and every single week. Now, here's what I'm going to have. Next week, I'm going to have blackened chili dusted chicken 
with corn and tomato salad. Then I'm going to have pork ramen with fresh ramen noodles and summer vegetables. Okay, now let's get to the details. For less than $10 per meal, Blue Apron sends you fresh ingredients perfectly proportioned, making cooking healthy meals really easy and fun. No trips to the grocery store, no waste of from unused ingredients. Plus, you will learn to cook with specialty ingredients that are normally hard to find. Blue Apron is a better way to cook. So check out Blue Apron's menu and you get your first two meals free by going to blueapron.com slash badchristian. Our treat. Really, the first two meals are free. You got nothing to lose. You go to blueapron.com slash badchristian. Get your two free meals, and then you'll understand what I'm saying. You've heard this for a long time. We've been saying this Blue Apron stuff for a long time. It's time to do it. Just go get it. You'll have two free meals next week. There you go. Blueapron.com slash badchristian. Do you already have a grip on whose voice is who with us or anything? Who are you talking okay. to right now? Yeah, who are you talking to right now? Oh, goodness. <laughs> all right. Well, yeah. <laughs> all right, Billy. Um, so, first of all, you're on your podcast, Urban Achiever. You're Mr. Nice Guy Host. Well, welcome to hell. Yeah. <laughs> okay. You're, you're in the... Bring <laughs> me out on all my errant theologies. Yeah. So, I'm ready. so, gay marriage. Where do you stand, <laughs> motherfucker? <laughs> <laughs> no, I know you're Mr. Nice Guy, so we, our our stick is the opposite. We're asshole I'm Mr. host. I'm Mr. Nice Guy. Well, you are. You do such a great job. I love listening to your show. And you I th- are super I think nice. You That's do, good. You do a tremendous job of like getting the daggum person to talk conversationally without yeah. having. I mean, you and you totally don't make it about yourself. I just listened to Jason Vina one this week, and it, I mean that. Yeah. I mean, like, I know Jason pretty well, and I was so surprised at how much he talked and everything he said. <laughs> I really, I'm serious. I didn't think, really? I didn't think he that, would be by that. Way. Help me out. He, he, seems seemed everybody, okay. he seemed like pretty evasive to me. I was trying to really well, pin I thought him he was down super on that relaxed. thing with the guy they kicked out. And Well, boy, yes, he, he was. He was. Really he, was he was squirming <laughs> a little bit, but he was very, I thought he was relaxed and made a bunch of jokes and. And and everything really good on that, but yeah, yeah, he was a little evasive on on the Garrett situation. I just got out of the studio. I recorded. I was uh, engineered there, uh, tracking oh, cool. last week with Sprinkles yeah. in town, and we were all in the did the recording of that last week. Oh, we're supposed did to you like? Were we supposed to bow to you right now or something? So you can't get away with anything on this show. <laughs> uh, was he a better you, singer dude. than me? Good for you. He's much. He Jason is de- by far the best singer I've ever tracked or worked with. That's hilarious. So did Are you, you enjoy that serious? story of no. me telling him the thing I hated about his band was his singing? No, I'm just doing that to make Toby mad right now. <laughs> I'm just trying to make Toby feel bad. I am the best singer you've ever worked with, and you know that. And I will. All, I don't care what you. I'm being serious right now. I don't care what you say. I really believe that, and I will always believe. Let's that. see, Jason Vina's better. Aaron Gillespie's better. <laughs> this, uh, the bunch of bands I can't remember are better. Hey, well, so Billy, you, you had went over uh, Aaron Sprinkle. I heard Aaron saying he just loves your voice and thinks it's incredible on that. Finally, sure praise the Lord. My <laughs> own band member doesn't even say that. <laughs> Thank you, Billy. Hey, you Billy, uh, so you yes. you guys just had Mike Lewis on. Uh, I, one story that just tickles me is Toby and I, our band, Joe747, back in Charlotte. This is another 15-year-old story, maybe even oh boy. maybe even longer. But anyway, we opened up. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> yeah, we opened up. Thank for, you, Billy. Hey, hey, it was great talking to you, Joey. <laughs> 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 so, so we uh we're opening up for polar and yeah. uh in charleston and our jaws have just dropped to the floor we're like oh 
my lord, this band is so tight, so intense, so awesome. We just couldn't believe it. So when Emory gets kind of big, they meet uh, Mike because he is a merch line guy. Is that is yeah. that his business? Uh, he was, not he merch was line, at Zambui. Zambui, yeah. okay. Zambui. But they tell they relay this experience that they had seeing Puller, and he would not believe them. He's just like, yeah, I don't even, I don't even believe that. <laughs> He's just very no self-deprecating. Gosh, that was such an awesome experience, though. Yeah. All right. He thinks everything he does sucks, so it's it's my job to tell him that he's wrong. Well, uh, so I saw that that Mike has a podcast too. So first of all, yours is called Urban Achiever, and we talk about that one from time to time. But and what's, we, yeah. what's Mike's new thing? Well, hold on. Billy actually said. <laughs> now I'm going to hold him to this. He said that part of the reason why he started that podcast is because we wouldn't have him on our podcast. So he's just like, well, shit, I have to start my own. <laughs> Uh, it's just busting balls. <laughs> <laughs> there is there is one thing I want to straighten you guys out on. Hey, you really much, do a good uh, job, by the way, on your podcast. Uh, yeah, it really thank is good. you. Thank you. <laughs> what do you want to straighten us out on? Oh, I, I know how much you guys love to say how you invented Screamo and all that. And um, I just, <laughs> do we I just say that? To, well, yes. in so many words, a number of times you've alluded to that in a very humble way, in a very humble brag okay. way. Yes, yeah. we were one of the yeah. originators Suck of the it, Thursday. I just, I just wanted to point out to you guys that maybe 10 years before your first record came out, I put out a record that had singing and screaming on it on Tooth and Nail, and Aaron Sprinkle produced it, and Aaron Molasco was our drum tech, and we <laughs> yeah. recorded it in Seattle. Take that, shithead. <laughs> so, you, so Blenderhead is Screamo. Well, I don't know. I don't it had, know. I'm not, it I don't had screaming and singing. On, uh, I don't, but it did have screaming and singing. Well, I, you know, here's what I say about that is I know, I thought there was music that was emo, and I heard they were screaming in it, and I heard the term screamo, and whenever I heard that term for the first time, I thought, that sounds awesome. But the, what we heard was Dave Bazan on the whole EP on Almost There, and there, yeah. do you, were you familiar with the Deep Elm bands? Yeah, oh yeah, sure. So like, there's a band on there called Cross My Heart, and they when they would get real pumped up, they would scream just a little bit, and that's all we were thinking it was at the time. Yeah. And so yeah, we got into you know taking that to you know trying to make a turbocharged version of that. I but think I, in the but, lifetime of that record, I sold as many records as you sold probably in your first week. So I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to take too much. Credit. <laughs> hey, well, I this homeboy right here got it. I did some first of that a little bit earlier. <laughs> hey, hey, Machacho Vivo though, that was like hardcore vintage emo right like Nobody were you into the jawbreakers right? yeah joey no i definitely i don't know what you're talking about yeah. nobody listens to the podcast yeah. what hey that? hey well then it everybody like you're tune being us racist out. tune us out then i don't even know what i'm doing here no one no one understands why i'm here today but thank you for having me anyway i appreciate well, it well one thing i wanted to ask is okay first of all when we when we were talking about signing tooth and nail i promise you several of our friends told us about Bill Powers and just yeah. that he was just cool and legit and really it's, knew it's about Billy music. Power. His, by his the way. Billy Power. Billy yeah, was a cool. Y on the end and Power yeah, with no power. S. Or, sorry, and, sorry. And listen, so, Bill Power's fine, but it is Power. No yes. Yeah. Bill Powers is really cool, though. That's who I was talking <laughs> Bill about. Bill Powers. Sorry, Billy, you're cool, but I was talking about your <laughs> another dude. Your associate. Completely. But. I, I remember remember hearing about you, and, and everybody said, oh, man, he's just awesome and really cool. And and that was one of the reasons why we even thought Tooth & Nail was more legit than it was. But I really do want to ask, I mean, you were doing music so much earlier and in a such a real and cool way. Do you – I feel like I've felt this before. Do you feel like you got robbed? Like if, if you guys would have done Blenderhead <laughs> later – it would have been better. Like, if, hey, listen, man. I mean, were you too I was happy early to pave the way for you, dude? That's I mean, my, seriously, my I actually believe that. <laughs> I, I really, I know that sounds crazy. I really do believe that. I'm not just blowing smoke up your ass. I mean, I, seriously, like you guys were in the trenches doing music that nobody knew 
could happen. Playing shows and, and, in front of seven right, people. And creating stuff that people didn't, weren't aware that they could go to or care about. I mean, what was that like? Well, I, I, I hey, mean, Toby, yeah. let's play a fun game. This is a game I like to play with all the young people. It's uh, Usually I do like, were any of you alive when Billy got his first tattoo? That's usually the game I play with like the people that work for me at my school. They were all <laughs> in their 20s. You don't want to call Toby a young guy here. You're going to get in trouble. I might be older than you. Were you alive when I got my first uh, my first tattoo, etc.? Um, why don't you guys all take a guess what year it was when I played my first punk show? Oh my god! I'm gonna god. say 87. I'm gonna say 92. Yeah, I'm gonna say 93. Uh, 1983. Holy! Oh, oh my god! <laughs> 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 I was a first gra- grader. Okay, are you ready? Are you guys ready? Okay, I graduated high school in 1987. I played my first show with The Crucified in 1986. And wow. by 1990, by the summer of 1990, I was already an honorably discharged veteran of the, of the United States Army. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh my gosh. <laughs> well, let, let's, let's, I had already been overseas to Germany. Let's answer Toby's question, though. Do you feel like you got gypped of your time period from being a, a pioneer, and I'll, I'll grant you, you paving the way for all the stuff that we did, and being instrumental in finding the next round of bands and being around when when Emory was found. I remember it plain as day. Do you do you feel like you didn't get your due there? No, not at all. I mean, I I feel I guess the greatest honor that you can say is that I feel like we did something that was the very infancy of this whole scene that uh-huh. band and Under Oath and all these kind of bands came from. And kind of my feeling was I never wanted the whole like off to ourselves like Christian thing. I just wanted us to be part of regular music. And that was mm-hmm. kind of the goal of all that. So to be part of that starting and to kind of see that fulfilled now to where the bands were playing warp Tour and playing regular venues and everything like that, um, it, to me, is really rewarding. I mean, it's cool to see that that finally Cause like, you came never made. I mean. But you never made any money, and we're filthy rich. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I didn't, I didn't get into music for money. So I came from a family of musicians. Both my father and my grandfather music teachers, and and uh, you know, I'm just a guy with a high school diploma who's done music his whole life. Hey, real I mean, quick never, for my for my old school ears, what did you mean by playing your first show with the Crucified? You mean like as Blenderhead opening up, or them opening up, or oh, actually no, playing this with way those before guys? Blenderhead? <laughs> okay, so so actually yeah. playing with the band like. You were you no. I was in a band in San Diego called uh, Pontius Pilate and the Pious Punks. Just enjoy that alliteration. One Unreal. Who later, this is the best part though. Who later changed our name to Point Blank to sort of be more general market friendly, you know, to be more accessible <laughs> or whatever, um, not so Christiany or whatever. Um, but yeah, in 1986, we played our first show out of San Diego. I met Mark through a fanzine, and he's like, "Hey, we're going to be playing our first show." I, I had like a KG. B shirt, which is a pre-crucified band, Kids and God's yeah. Blessing. Um, and um, he's like, yeah, we're getting ready to play our first show. So my band, Point Blank, we drove to Fresno and played with the Crucified on their first show in like April of 1986. Their so first show? Hey. Yeah, their first Gosh. show. And that was when Mark and I first became friends. So That's pretty epic, my friend. Yeah. So you were in the Christian world then, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I grew up in the church. I went to like Hollywood Presbyterian Church as a kid, and uh, which is where like Scattered Few used to play. I mean, I, used, I go that to means like, nothing like, to Toby. But yeah. well, well, the yeah. big question I have <laughs> like is how in the t- how in the hell in the eighties did you 
How are you able to, to create this kind of music? I mean, like you couldn't have heard this stuff. I mean, how did you find it? <laughs> well, I was into punk. Like I like in fourth and fifth grade and sixth grade. Like Kiss was like my our, my favorite band. And then how did like, you find it back the, then? Though I mean, how like did you riding on the rock on Caro Q in the L A Beach area it started on Sunday nights, and I literally wow. had like a little boombox, <laughs> and I would record his show on Sunday nights, and he was playing bands like the Dead Kennedys and you know Black Flag and the Vandals oh, and all. As God. that stuff was coming out, he was the guy who's introducing those bands on the radio and then i would just take these cassette tapes and record the show every sunday night and he was playing plasmatics tsol all that early la punk stuff so i mean i was i was exposed to actual punk music before there was anything christian anything like i was into punk that's why it's always so weird to me like if you've heard on my show when i talk to people are like oh you can't you can only listen to christian music it's like dude this didn't even exist when i was in fifth grade (laughs) like what why are you gonna tell me now i can't listen to something i've always listened to so um but yeah i was into all that punk stuff and then i moved to san diego and they had the end uh uh, not the end well 91x in san diego like 91x that seattle station the end and then karakee they're all like sister stations but Mm -hmm. yeah i grew up listening to all that stuff on sunday nights on the rock and then uh, in 1983, I went to this thing called Exit Festival. It was like some of the early Christian stuff, like Steve Taylor and Undercover and uh, a bunch of people that nobody knows. Undercover, oh my lord, that's an yeah. industrial band, right? <laughs> no, they're like uh, pseudo punk new wave. Oh, I'm thinking Under Midnight. Thing. I don't know yeah. if you're Billy. I actually so, tried to go see Blenderhead the summer of '95 in yeah. Myrtle Beach, and our yep. car broke down. Oh, and man. I call, uh, we stopped by, we walked to a payphone, called my dad, said, dad, can we come get the other car? And he was like, no, son, you're going <laughs> to just have bad. to find Everybody your way back. So we missed saved, MXPX so and Blenderhead. It was a huge bummer. <laughs> we had a huge altar call and everyone, everyone at that show got saved. So <laughs> <laughs> All right. So Bill, you wound up at tooth and nail starting when? Uh, I started doing mail order out of my apartment in Seattle, uh, in 93. In um, when the label still in LA. Yeah. I knew Brandon what Brandon was like uh he had a radio show at Oregon State University yep. and I was like promoting shows in Seattle with like early like pre Poral Lou. I was like in a band called Gloria that we used to play with Poral Lou, Aaron Sprinkles band and a lot of those bands in Seattle. And I put out a compilation that had a lot of those bands. Uh, like sometimes Sunday I was friends with who Mikey who put on Tom Fest and all mm-hmm. that kind of early stuff. So I was kind of Mikey involved Bridges. in that scene and then yeah, and then I met Brandon came to one of my shows and then like Blenderhead's first show was also with the Crucified at a show that I promoted in Seattle. Um, and he was at that show and I met him and then when he started the label, he kind of got in contact with me. So, um, there was something I heard really interesting on the Jason Vena Urban Achiever episode that I didn't, Mm -hmm. don't know or didn't know that well. And that was, uh, what was it you said, Brand? It was real interesting because you were talking about your divorce and Brandon's honeymoon and you were running the label and stuff at that time. Tell me about that. I I, I was like, I didn't, I don't know about any of that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. We run the office in uh, Pioneer Square. And, uh, basically we, I had bought a house in shoreline, uh, North of Seattle, a little suburban area North of Seattle. And, uh, I found a journal, um, that I didn't know what it was. And I started reading through it and there was like a to-do list in there. <laughs> it's like lose weight, leave bill. Like number two thing was like, leave will. I was like, oh, what? No <laughs> crazy. Like that's how I found out. And then, uh, Mike Lewis, who you guys mentioned earlier, I called him, I didn't really know what to do if like I should just make it all nice or like what he's like you have to confront her so I kind of just said hey uh read your journal and so that's you're planning on leaving me never mentioned it it's like yeah so like I moved out that night and stayed with my friend Jim uh actually I stayed on the floor of his graphic design office uh over near Ballard uh slept on the floor 
Um, but Brandon was on his honeymoon. Yeah, he was, Brandon <laughs> so, was on his honeymoon, and you were yeah. you were actually like in charge of running the label. He's on his thing, and you find out that your wife wanted to leave you, kind of thing, all yep. at the same time. Yeah, I did. And he would call like every day to check in and see how everything was going and like whatever. And and um, I just didn't have the heart to like because she had worked at the label, so he knew you know like we were all tight and whatever. It was a very small ship with like five or six people working at that time. Um, so. Yeah, I just was like, yeah, everything's awesome. I was like sleeping on the Dude. floor of my friend's like place. <laughs> I mean, is that the worst time of your life? I mean, you guys uh, are still really good friends, right? It's pretty bad. Uh, who? You and her. Me and Brandon? No. Uh, <laughs> you and her. You're like great friends. Still. Oh, I mean, there's, yeah, there's a yeah, good. We're best of friends. <laughs> <laughs> a journal. So you were snooping, so though, uh, kind of. No, not at all. Actually, we, we we had just moved and we were still kind of putting stuff away. And then it was just like a book I didn't recognize. It just had mm-hmm. like a plain oh, cover. God. And then I literally opened it and that was the page I opened to. Oh, God. I, I mean, that. I mean, this is just, I, I mean, can we, let's just sit here for one second. Yeah, I'm good I mean, to stay here for I, a long I, time. I know. I'd love to stay here for the rest of the podcast. Billy's like, Joey, please start asking me questions about the music. Good, <laughs> the good thing about being almost 50, as I am, uh, I'll be 47 years old this year, is that I've since found somebody else and been remarried. Mm-hmm. I've been with this lady 15 years. So, uh, How long were you married when you found this? Seven years. So you were married for seven years, and you yeah. find a... I mean, it's like joseph smith from the mormons you find a, a tablet it's that's, shitty. That, that tells you about your life i mean at that moment I, I, did you you saw nothing coming like you didn't see that no. at all right no no everything was no. totally fine and she Golly. i mean it, it, i, I yeah, just i mean awesome. what in the world do you do in that moment like you went and slept on somebody else's floor i did yeah and then she moved out and she took basically every like i got to our compromise like we worked the divorce out out of court but like our compromise was i kept the car and the house but she took everything else so i moved back to an empty house like about a month later it was just like sleeping on a mattress and what year was that bedroom that was like late 90s so like 99 98 so uh, i mean did you go from one day loving somebody to the next day hating their guts? She did picked me up at happen? work like after I already knew and she didn't know that I knew oh, and was gosh. like holding my hand in the car, called me like during the day at lunch to tell me she loved me. <laughs> gosh. So. Is something wrong with her? Like, I mean, what do you I think? Like, how could she just, no, I mean, seriously. Like, I mean, how can you do that? Like, how could you be I, so, I mean, she's, her goal know. is to leave you. Yeah. I mean, what, I mean, you just, I mean, there's no normalcy I mean, there to be fair i am a monster so there was that <laughs> <laughs> i don't know dude i uh yeah i don't know it was she was just didn't want to be married so so Thankfully, but, we didn't but i mean kids, was that your decision so. did did she say no let's work it out i'm sorry i was no, just writing no. out some- i said actually what happened was that she said you seem like you have something on your mind and i said yeah and she's like what is it and i said are you planning on leaving me and she said why and then I said, just answer the question. And she just flat out just said yes. And then Gosh. I said, So that's almost, honestly, this is what sucks the most, God. but that's almost best case scenario for her. Right. Because there's the thing when you know you're going to break up with somebody. I've, trust me, I've been in the situation. There's yeah. nothing worse than thinking, I'm going to have to do this in the future. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, it's, it was new info to me, but she had, she had but that, been but, in this place for a long time. So. I know, but I'm saying, so th- that was like, Unfortunately for her, I don't, I don't, I'm not glad for her, but I'm saying she got the good end of the deal there because that's what you want to do is when you know you're going to leave somebody or break up with somebody or do something hard, you wish it would just come to you. Come and out. You, yeah. Yeah. It's like Instead of you have to, to like do, to, 
to do the thing, you know. Right. So unfortunately, she got the good end of that deal. So yeah. there's a continuous story here that Billy just always ends up being the nice guy. Though. Like, he gets screwed again. <laughs> right. I know. I mean, seriously, he's just like, oh, okay, we'll see you later. Hey, so. I mean, he didn't even get I to be just, like, don't you worry, bitch. Toby. I just told everybody when I did my press and everything, I was like, it's just a personal matter and uh, I really don't want to talk about so it. So you, you did what Joseph no, did in the Bible. You just dismiss, you, you what, planned to dismiss whole, her quite. I wrote a whole horrible record about it. <laughs> now, that's true. Now, that's true. going back to the whole Christian world and everything, I mean, you were a Christian then. Was she yeah. a Christian? What did that yeah. do to your faith? Uh, actually, it never really impacted my faith, to be honest. Um, you know, I grew up in the church and was considered myself a pretty strong Christian. I mean, I went through a dark period, definitely, of like drinking and, and being pretty unreal masturbation and, and yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> Tons of Non-stop. hookers. Tons of hookers. I, knew, I knew somehow we'd get around to something sexual here. I'm surprised <laughs> that, to, that didn't happen sooner. 22 minutes in. That's pretty good. We went pretty far. Uh, you were worried. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was, that was tops on my list at that point of concerns. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, not really. Like, yeah, I had a good support network. Actually, my best friend, Jim, and his wife, um, we were all in a small group together. And um, she ended up kind of being on the outs. And I sort of ended up being, you know, supported by that group of people. And a good group of friends, Matt Johnson, who was the drummer of my band, and a yep. number of people there that really uh, strong. I just had a good, strong, supportive group of friends. And then there was a whole sequence of guys that were all kind of my friends. Um, from different bands that all kind of got divorced in succession. And we kind of all became this sort of like support group of, you know, fellow believers that kind of all supported each other through all that stuff. So you started the, band, the, last the Seattle band, group. the divorce. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> now here's the thing yeah. that makes me know that what you just said is not true. Everybody knows small groups didn't exist until the mid two thousands when the oh, mega right. churches yeah, instituted yeah, yeah. them at, at mass. So there weren't <laughs> right. small groups in the nineties, Billy. Hadn't even been invented, right? <laughs> Have that. Wait, yeah. Billy's on the cutting edge of small groups, dude. <laughs> <laughs> he created music that helped my band exist. And he, I mean, my job is to help start small groups at my church. You owe everything yeah. to Billy. I owe every damn thing in my life to Billy. That's unbelievable. <laughs> did you well, carry Jesus' cross on, on, on the road? Totally, I did. What yeah. didn't you start? Dude, it's unreal. Car, uh, fishes on cars. That was totally me. Yeah. So, so okay. So you. <laughs> so okay. The, didn't have a crisis of faith. It was just a bad marriage, and and that's what happened. So, where did you go from there? You're working at Tooth and Nail, trying to figure out your life now. Yeah, it took it took about a year to finalize everything, and for her to finally move, you know, get moved yeah. out, and me to get moved back to the house, and. And uh, I, I'm not going to lie, it was it was di- probably the hardest part was that I got to keep the house, but we were a dual income family. Yeah. <laughs> and so I was really struggling to like pay all my bills. Like at one point, like my garbage service I couldn't afford anymore. And I was literally bringing like bags of garbage in the trunk of my car to dump them in the dumpster at Tooth and Nail. <laughs> so that's it was pretty grim. <laughs> you know, just trying to financially hang on and hang on to my house and hang on to my car and, and keep working and, and whatever. And I just sort of put my nose down. I mean, if you guys remember, I'm sure this is kind of the precursor to the time when you guys were there. But, you know, um, it was when really things were really starting to cook. So, I, I, you know, I had plenty of work to do. Well, let's busy. talk about that so. next. So, yeah. you, I mean, you really do represent the uh, punk rock, small group, whatever, <laughs> undercurrent <laughs> you know, uh, underground thing. 
where did it come to? A, I mean, how did that work out with you and Brandon, and then Tooth and Nail turn into a big time money making thing? Because that's right about the time when it became worth millions of dollars when you weren't yeah. around anymore. And I don't know the. Sto- I really don't actually know the story there. Did it's you have a sharp uh, disagreement there? Like how? Did, I mean, how did you no, get out no, no, at no, that no, same no. time? You want me to answer that for for you, Bill? <laughs> no. He was more interested in people. Once it turned into a business, he lost interest because he didn't right. like all that. That's not true. <laughs> yes, it is. I want to hear yeah. what Billy has. That's to what he's going to say. <laughs> Piece of shit. Well, just listen to his podcast. Good well, yes, kind of two things there. So we'll just talk about the the main part of it, and that is that you know since I've been playing in bands in that scene, I knew Mark and a lot of these guys from all these bands. I was kind of in that network precursor to tooth and nail and all that kind of stuff. I knew Aaron before Brandon knew Aaron, like, you know what I mean? I knew kind of all these Mm -hmm. guys in that scene. Um, and my band was playing with all these bands and, you know, like we, our very first U S tour was MXPX's very first U S tour. So we did like a seven week national tour with them right when they were blowing up and we played, you know, maybe 50 or more shows with them. So, um, we were in tight with those guys. Like I went to their high school graduation. Like, we were, you <laughs> know what awesome. I mean? Like I built the entire indie distribution network that like tooth and nail used to get their deal with Caroline, right. which eventually led to the deal with EMI. So I was there through all that kind of stuff. And because my background was punk, I just tended to work with a lot of the more punk oriented bands. Although, um, I did sign like stretch Armstrong. I worked with further seems forever cause I worked with strong arms. So I worked with a lot of the punk and hardcore and all that kind of stuff. So. I was there when we decided to run to, you know, create solid state, um, you know, uh, BEC. You had a huge hand in plastic music. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Uh, BEC, like when that started, I said, I said it stood for big embarrassing company and Brandon got so mad. He was so pissed at me. (laughs) It was like Cutlass and all these bands at the time who are, I'm sure are very nice people, but. So what happened then? Um, so yeah, so we were just building through that whole, you know, thing. Like I had started a mail order and then we kind of built our whole distribution and then eventually we did this deal with EMI and, and, um, you know, I'd been through my divorce and all that kind of stuff. And then towards the end, things just got really like, I'm definitely like more of a people oriented person and, and not like, and, and my interest in music and being involved with other Christians and stuff like that is, far outweighs like any kind of financial concern. It never even, when I got into doing it, I never even got into doing it. I just kind of stumbled into making it a job. Um, you know, so, um, I was just kind of surprised by that whole thing. And so eventually, you know, I mean, just crazy stuff, dude, like, uh, like Chris Caraba, like it took me two years to get further seems forever in the studio to record the moon is down. And like the day before they were supposed to record the record, he called to say he's going to quit the band. Oh my gosh. And then I convinced him to do the record and to release him from his contract to, to do the deal. We had to release him from his contract so he could do dashboard confessional. But the whole time they were in recording the record, their attorney and their manager and everybody was like threatening me every day that he would walk if I didn't send the release. So they're like calling me, faxing me like, like you have to send the release or they're not going to finish the record. And I'm incredibly proud of that record. And I'm like, that's one of the best. Of of course, that. Brandon like, totally always tells it, the story. Brandon always says that he, he's a nice guy. For instance, he let Chris Caraba <laughs> out of his contract at, right. that, at that time. That's the <laughs> yeah. way Brandon tells that. Right, sure. Yeah, I totally wasn't in the room for all these discussions <laughs> at all. <laughs> <laughs> Just like he's executive producer on every record that yeah. I worked on. I mean, I worked on over, like, in my time at Tooth and Nail, I worked on between 200 and 300 records, mm-hmm. of which I as the operations manager had to prove all the layouts, all the artwork, all the lyrics, all the publishing credits, everything like that's the last stop of that stuff was always my desk mastering all the masters. I had to prove all the masters. Sorry for the ones that sounded shitty. That was my fault. 
But, um, <laughs> yeah, so I did all that stuff. But towards the end, there was a lot of things like that, just dealing with managers and lawsuits. And there was a huge MXPX lawsuit that was just a giant, terrible, horrible yeah, thing. Yeah, that was a I big got, mess. Like, deposed, and I had begged him not to put out this greatest hits record. And then he was like, oh, I can do it anyway. And I'm like, they're going to be mad. And they were mad. And they were going to sue. Uh, I probably shouldn't say any of this stuff. But, um, uh, statute of limitations or something, but uh, I don't know. Let's just say the lawsuit was big enough that it could it would basically put the label out of business. I think that's in the documentary, so yeah, I think that's yeah. common knowledge now. But um, yeah, so I mean, I didn't enjoy any of that stuff. So and then we sold half the company to EMI, and like right after the EMI deal, they said we had to fire somebody, and we had to fire a guy that had been there a long time, and and um, I don't know, just things. So I didn't after enjoy any of that it was stuff. pretty much around the time of the EMI deal that you were disenfranchised with the just the way the things were. Them. Yeah, I was not. I was very opposed to doing that deal. Definitely. Like, yeah, I, I, I understood why they did it, and it made pragmatic sense to me. Um, just in terms of like you know Jim, who is the finance guy there, would be mm-hmm. spending like you know the whole year doing royalty periods and all that kind of stuff, and and um, so I understood why they did it, but it was just not for me. So, but I mean, you it had to be hard to leave like Jeremy Camp and Manifest. <laughs> 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 Jeremy was just starting to talk to them when I left. So. Hey, so when you, I mean, since all of that went down, have you and Brandon hung out as like friends? I saw Brandon not that long ago. Um, He invited me to the, uh, one of the farewell Amber Lynn shows in New York um, where they recorded the live show and everything. Mike Herrera was opening and uh, I haven't, I hadn't really seen him too much. I saw him in Nashville when I got interviewed for the documentary, No New Kind of Story. Mm -hmm. And then, um, but most recently that's, I hadn't really been in contact with him that much. Did you like, did you like that documentary? Yeah, I thought it was cool. A lot yeah. of, you know, everyone complains about everything, but yeah, I thought it was good. I thought it told the story that it needed to tell. You know, it's just kind of like, you know, you should have done this, you should have done that. It's like, what do they want? Like a 20-hour like PBS? Like, right. I guess they do. I don't know. It's like, <laughs> they told the story. They had to pick a narrative, and that's the one they picked. And to me, that's like the coolest story, the whole thing about his grandfather and giving him the loan and all. I thought that was very touching, actually. That part of it, I thought it was cool. What, so you quit to the nail. What is your backup plan? What do you do? Where, where'd you go? I mean, because that, that, yeah. you've been doing that since the nineties. Yeah, yeah. I I uh, I went from making the most money I ever made to the next year I was managing bands. I started my own management company. I think I made like four hundred dollars or something. Oh, <laughs> I think my last year to the nail, I made like fifty grand. Um, that was my salary then. And then I went I, like the next year I thought for sure I was going to get audited. They're like, where did all the money go? Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like how did you go from making all this money to making no money? Um, so yeah, then I was managing bands for about a year and a half to two years. And then I ran out of money like all band managers do, I guess that I didn't, I don't know. I didn't know what I was doing, but, uh, yeah, so I did that, and then uh, I worked security at this. Uh, oh, th- you guys will enjoy this story. This is pretty fun. Uh, I was working. I was the head of security at this amusement park at the beach here in New Jersey, uh, in Wildwood, New Jersey. But why did um, you go over to the East Coast? Oh, uh, I met a girl who was from over here. Actually, she's my wife now. Yeah, yeah. She sounds. So hot. I moved for a lady. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yes, so that's way too long a story to get into. But um, yeah, I did come here because uh, my now wife, then girlfriend, was from here. And uh, I was working in this music park, and these two kids came onto the pier. One was wearing an under oath shirt, and I think the other kid was wearing a Norma Jean shirt. And I could tell from the shirts that they were from like Tooth and Nail Mail Order. And uh, so I got all <laughs> excited, and I went up to the kid. Now, keep in mind, I'm in a full blown security uniform. Like, I just look like some Joe Schmo, like, you know, middle aged, like, security guy. <laughs> I come up excitedly to these kids. I'm like, hey, under oath, Norma. I used to work with those bands. 
like whatever. And the one kid like pulls his friend away from me, like get away from that weird guy. Like, <laughs> it's like, so I was like, oh my god, like this is the lowest point in my life. Like people literally think I'm that guy who's making up stories on the pier. So. Oh boy, I can totally imagine that. Do you? Do you? Rem- I remember talking to you bef- around the time we were signing. I mean, you and I talked on the phone. I remember it very plainly. But yeah. what? Did, what? Did, I mean, that must like you must have left Tooth and Nail right as we came on, right? Right before everything got huge and everybody started making it tons was, of money. That's when I it liked. was something right in there. Like I, I remember talking to you specifically on the phone around, and probably in two thousand and two. What yeah, it have oh been? Yeah. Or no, something. I remember you guys. What I mean, what was your recollection of Emory? Not to make it about us, but what do, I'm just—I would love to have a snapshot of what that was like. You—you you remember us coming on the scene yeah, in oh, Seattle yeah. or what? Yeah, yeah, definitely. No, I love that stuff actually, and that first record really grabbed me a lot. Um, I was really into that stuff. I, I've seen you guys a bunch too, because then after that, I worked at Zambui for like seven years. Yeah, and we did all your guys' merch and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So like, I think every time you guys played in Nashville, I'd come to the shows and all that kind of stuff. So yeah. Fan. Well, well I, you know I'm a fan of the show, so Yeah, I was I was talking to Matt before having you on. I was like, You remember um Billy actually took the time to reach out to us. I don't know if you messaged us on Facebook or what, but I was like, man, that is really cool because you and that I was the main culprit of this too. I was, you know, getting in the <laughs> habit of asking people their opinions and almost like explaining and you finally messaged us and you're just like, guys stop explaining yourselves just be who you are and just yeah. you know basically let the chips fall where they may and honestly it sparked a really good conversation amongst the three and uh so we're pretty appreciative of that what what's what, cool man what kind well, of brought just, you to that my, like, that's my tooth and nail baggage from you know i'm sure you guys are well acquainted with the uh two christian for the christians not christian yeah. non christians sure. uh, thing and so i feel like when we started going down that road of constantly explaining ourselves to people it was a disaster so yeah. that's kind of like anytime I see other people doing that, I'm I, I'm real quick and sensitive to be like, eh, just don't do that. Just you be you and do your thing and don't worry about everybody else. Yeah. You know? Well, because think about it. What I mean, I think you're right. And I appreciate that sentiment, too, because think about it. Anybody, you know, that creates anything, maybe a TV show writer or movie producer or music musician or anybody that creates anything. Do you want that person to be more experienced? Uh, more careful. Do you want that person to explain where they're coming from more and be make sure everybody gets it before they move forward? You, you don't want that. Sure. I mean, anybody that, that does anything artistically, you want them to go for it fully, and then you'll decide if you like it or not. But you never want that. You don't want Vince Gilligan on Breaking Bad to say, now, I know this might be crazy, but I just want everybody to, like, you know, here's a big disclaimer before this episode comes out. You, yeah. that, that's the last thing you want. You don't want them to take make safer choices or explain themselves. So yeah. I, I really, I mean, it's hard when, when it's you, but of course you don't want that. Well, and I feel like also like you guys are really onto something from the very beginning. Like I, you know, not to say I've been in this for a long time also, but <laughs> the whole thing about being transparent and just speaking the way you always speak. Like I really, I love that the one time that you said that mad about like, you know, we're just talking now the way we've always talked. And that really like, I really appreciated that because I've felt that way for a long time. Like, like this is the way we've always talked, man, forever. Like when the bands are, uh, you know, in the van yeah. and in the back of the venue and like what we've been dealing with this shit and talking this way and, and dealing with these issues and all this stuff for a long time. And, and I think that's important. I think it, and that's kind of like what spurred Mark to do his show, me to do my mm-hmm. show is just being part of that conversation and 
just trying to figure out like where our place is, but then just being authentic. And I just like think that's really important, like authenticity and candor, um, as Jeff Becker likes to say, and, and just being uh, being real, you know, and, and talking about the things that people struggle with and, and being honest. I just think that's really important. And I was just nervous that you get, you know. People don't like that. People are threatened by people. Some people, you know, yeah. But the people the that like it, stuff, like it. You know? All we're yeah, trying yeah. to do is represent other people. But here's the thing. You say, yeah, people in the back of vans and people backstage talk th- that way. But that's almost easy to discount as like, well, that's the, that culture, that really insane thing. I'm telling you, every pastor I know, every pastor yeah, sure. I know of these churches and these big churches and people you look up to, they talk the way that Toby and I talk and Joey talks. They do, yeah. just not in front of you. I know. That's My the, father that's the was thing a that church choir crazy. director. I grew up in the church being around those people all the time. I was yeah. in those meetings. Yeah. I mean, the people that, you, that you're going to compare to me and say, well, you may, maybe you should look at this guy. He talks the same way I do. He just doesn't do it on his podcast. Because <laughs> he's got a reputation right. or a, you exactly. know, a ministry to protect or whatever. Right. Yeah, and it's like policing other people or being careful or like, you know, the thing that drives me crazy is the one where you say, well, I wouldn't want to lead somebody else to maybe think something. But yeah. that's really, it's not about the other person and what they do. It really turns out to be about other people's perception of you this is the yeah. thing you're typically managing. And I find that most people are managing, most people in ministry or entertainment or anywhere, they're, they're, they're usually managing what people think about them. And then they'll disguise it as saying they're being careful to for the sake of other people, but that's not really even true. I don't find most of the time. Yeah. So Billy, I don't know, you, but I feel like we're uh, we're turning a corner, so that's good. I do too. Yeah, Billy, you are a Christian, but you are not a part of any sort of church. Am I correct? Didn't I hear you? Correctly? No, I go to church. Oh, you yeah. do? Okay. I struggle with going to church, but I go. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> well, well, there that's under, a, that's a good question. Why do you struggle? Claire, explain um, that been, a little bit. I've been in church my whole life, as uh, I I think you guys have been in church most of your lives. Is that right. true, right? Yep. Yeah. Um, so totally. you just kind of know how it is. I mean, I have a problem with repetition. I have a pro- I just have a problem with everything that happens, basically, at, at every, every <laughs> church. My wife likes to say, I, I, I'm, I don't like any church. <laughs> and that's pretty true. You know, like, uh, so for me, like the music and all that stuff and everything can be like, I don't know. Everything is a distraction to me, and it's very hard to me to enter into any kind of space where I feel like I'm worshipful or prayerful yeah. or like what, like I'm like, Oh, why is that guy doing that? Or, Oh, I wish they hadn't said that. They say that every week or I don't know. Like the repetition stuff really kills me. Like well, talk about they, distractions. Yeah. What about the bad Christian fans that come uh, and oh, see yeah, me and Toby and they get to be led in worship <laughs> but, by the lead singer of Emory. <laughs> but why, why do you keep going, Billy? Um, because I think it's important to like, I think like the biggest area where I've tried to grow in the last year is, is kind of just the idea of dying to myself and, and my own hangups and, and realizing that like, I need to move in God's direction and God definitely is moving in my life and moving in the lives of people around me. And I see it and I feel it. And it's just like, because I know that I'm not going to be happy, it's kind of like, I like the idea of like not ceding control to the people who are doing it bad. If that makes sense. Like yep. if, if, if I just say it sucks and I'm not going to participate, it's kind of my way of saying I don't care that it's going to continue to be that way. So it's like, I want to try to engage 
in the culture and in church and everything like that. And maybe I can make a difference. Maybe by being myself and being transparent in the same way that you guys are doing, maybe we can change things. Yeah. You know, and that's kind of my hope is that if, if I keep participating and moving in God's direction, that he's going to speak. And I, and I feel like he does, you know, I went through it over the last year and a lot of interviews. I've really tried to work through this stuff. I've really struggled with it, to be honest. Um, you know, I've had a lot of loss in, in my life and, and people close to me have passed away. And I've had a lot of things that I've really struggled with that kind of stuff, like the whole issues of, of suffering and all kind of stuff. And, yeah. and, um, you know, I've just kind of boiled it down to just kind of getting rid of all the theological stuff and everything and just trying to have a more simple faith. And I think that's kind of what I've landed on is just try not to be so hung up on stuff and realize that every service isn't going to be awesome and I'm not going to like everything and just go with it. You know? Do you think you're working through that stuff in, in your podcast, you say, in your interviews? Yeah, yeah. I've had some really great conversations with people, you know. It's like, uh, it's just been cool to like kind of get a feel. I, you know, there's been a wide spectrum. I've interviewed a lot of people on Ur- Urban Achievers, my show, and mm-hmm. I've interviewed people from like Scott Kerr from Five Iron Frenzy, who's no, no longer a Christian, to Jeff, uh, who was a 90-pound wuss, who was part of Mars Hill Church, and Matt, my drummer from my band, who was also part of Mars Hill, so kind of digging into that whole thing, which I know you guys have talked yeah. about a bunch. And, and so just dealing with all these different issues and just talking about people and kind of where they're at. And it just seems like a lot of us are kind of in that same spot where we're dissatisfied with the way the church is. And it's really, it's up to us to change it. I mean, you know, if it's going to change, we have to do it. It's well, for what it's worth, I mean, I, I listened to your first episode when it came out. Was Ethan that first episode? Yeah, Ethan Luck. Yeah. Um, and I mean, take this as a compliment. I think your show has really developed a lot. I think your personality and your uh, presence on your show is really um, getting really good. Oh, from thank my you point so much. View. I appreciate that. How do you how do you do all that and then take care of old Mark stuff too? Good lord. <laughs> well, I work full time for a school rock. I manage a school of rock in Red Bank, so that's my full time job. And then um, so we have about a hundred hundred plus students and ten instructors, and so I do that full time. And then yeah, how many hours a week do you spend on podcast editing and probably and like stuff? It's got to be a lot if you do Mark show because you cut it in with music a lot, and I, yeah. I can tell that you're doing a lot of work on both shows. It depends on the quality of the audio, but I probably am spending anywhere from 10 to 16 hours a week between yeah. two wow. shows. Yeah, yeah. I, it, it shows. I can tell. Yeah, I, as I the guy wait. that spends the time doing the cuts and the edits and the stuff like <laughs> yeah. that, I'm listening to both of those shows thinking, man, that's a lot of real <laughs> real time. It's crazy because the real time, like you, even if you do some stuff to the show, you got to go back and listen to it just to see if it's working right. Yeah. So yeah. the real time's a killer when you're doing stuff that's over an hour long just to, yeah. just to check it out takes over an hour. Well, how I got into podcasting is I have my commutes like an hour each way. So uh-huh. I drive two hours every day. <laughs> so I oh spend a lot gosh. of time listening to like your guys' show and, and WTF and all that kind of stuff. But that's when I kind of proof the episodes is usually on my commute to and from work. I just pop it on and listen to it. So I spend a lot of time in my car, unfortunately. But uh gives well, me time I have to, to do it. I so. have to annoy Matt and Toby a little bit because they hate when I <laughs> go nostalgia. But... Man, I was a I was a junior in high school when I no 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 senior sure. when I was into Prime oh, Candidate, yeah. and I'm telling you, I will put that album up with any other heavy album. Like it it is when Toby mentioned what he did about you guys paving away and almost feeling slighted. There's got to be a part of you that's like, or or I'll say it for you. I wish more people could have heard that album. I mean, yeah, like, it's all right. I, I wish we could be like do an experiment. Can you put that out on Bad Christian or like how? <laughs> what would we do? Like if we were here's a music question matt if we were to say hey go out and get this album is there any way that you could track it probably not at all nobody wants to hear that no but, but it, uh, if, i appreciate that thank you for saying that 
Well, I do it's, really it's okay do, to be first I, I to the party. I actually yeah. really do believe like you guys created something that didn't exist. I mean, uh, like yeah. seriously, like especially in the Christian world, that, right. you're right. That music did not exist, and you were able to transform what was possible. I mean, that right. that's true. I mean, that's really crazy. And then even go. Uh, it's funny that you say where you're at right now with church and trying to walk that out. Like that still feels so honest and raw and real. Like. uh I, I feel the same way. Like like something funny kind of happened to me this week. I I normally lead worship a lot most of the times at our church. Mm-hmm. I'm the the worship director kind of over our worship. But uh, I was at one of our all staffs and uh, I was I, I got to be a part of just in the audience uh, in the congregation. Uh, which you have to say congregation at church. You don't get to say crowd <laughs> or audience. Like I actually said crowd one time and I was, I felt weird. Right. But uh, fans. In, in, anyway, it was fans. really, <laughs> yeah, the fans. <laughs> really trying to it's reach my fans, fans a little bit better. That, that yeah. totally works. Yeah. That is true. That no does different. work. No different. But uh, it was really funny. So I'm, I'm sitting there and I'm listening to the worship and I have a cup of coffee in my hand and I'm listening to the worship and I am just, I just get so introspective and and I, I'm seriously just standing there going, what do I think about this? Do these lyrics speak to me? I, I get I get super existential about, oh, wait, <laughs> yeah. this one time of the day I'm supposed to worship and this is how I worship and am I just being manipulated or whatever? And I'm standing there and I'm just going, I'm watching the band play and they're, and they're doing a great job. They're great. The music sounds great and all this stuff. But I'm just really inside of my brain going oh man what is this what is worship is this what it is blah 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 blah. and all of a sudden i take a sip of my coffee and my (laughs) mouth is filled with coffee grounds i mean the most ever and i just do this i mean my face just distorts and gets all crazy and i immediately even though i'm going through this go if anybody sees me around, they think I'm worshiping unreal. <laughs> I'm sad. I'm devastated. Affected. I'm affected by this worship. The lyrics mean something right. to me. I mean, my face looks just sorrowful, awful. And I, I just immediately thought, oh, wait, this is it. If I ever need to act or do anything, coffee grounds in your mouth, yeah. it works. People Perfect. think you're just in a moment. It's like actors to cry in a scene right. or something. Exactly. Like if I ever need to cry, I'm going to think coffee grounds. You just, you know, <laughs> I, I thought I was drinking water. It ended up being seven up. Did uh, you see uh, Matt? Matt just made the face that he would have made if he had coffee. Right, I was Wait, just, you guys can see each other? Right. That's so unfair. Hey, uh, Billy, you're lucky. I, I'm in South Carolina now. I'm here for uh, my grandfather's funeral, so I'm in the room oh, with sorry. Toby and Joey. Yeah. So uh, it's actually really good. Did you because, hear how nice Billy was? Yeah, yeah. No, I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry yeah, about okay. your grandfather. Yeah. I lost Thanks. my grandparents. I lost both my grandparents who I was very close with in the last like year and a half, so I feel Well, I, I appreciate it, but my point, yeah. <laughs> I know I know Matt, you don't feel anything about Matt, it one Matt way or the other. So okay. Back to my point. A man died for Matt. <laughs> anyway, back to my point. Billy was I'm in a room. Sorry, go ahead. A man died for Matt. <laughs> Billy is sadder for Matt than I am. sad. <laughs> Billy, you way more affected for my I was trying Matt's to say how it's good news Matt's for Billy that he gets to be on the more lively interview where the three of us are in the room <laughs> and nice. can see each other which is making this interview go really well so I mean, well, it's is, really good news hey why not billy <laughs> billy doesn't kick ass and that part of it if yeah. you guys well, could I mean, see that's me. really funny billy is more affected by your grandpa 
grandfather right. passing, right. Then, then you can be. <laughs> like he feels it. He feels empathy. Yeah, yeah. He's that was just good. like, oh my gosh. Yeah. If you guys could see me right now, all you would be thinking is that Joey is so fat, he even makes me look skinny. <laughs> so that's what you would be thinking. But you can't see me. So. Hey, uh, you guys will get a kick out of this. So I, I hit Periscope for a little while. And you would not believe, Toby, how many people were pissed off saying, that hypocritical son of a bitch, he's lounging. Toby's lounging. What the fuck? I mean, people were <laughs> off the charts. What? Like, you're a hypocrite, man. You're a hypocrite. It's true. Billy, thanks for looking out for us, man. You're kind of like a big brother to us. Tell tell people about Urban Achiever real well, quick. Yeah, this is what I want to do. First of all, I mentioned, I was trying to mention Mike Lewis's show earlier that I didn't yeah. know the name of. So I want to make sure to get Mike's show, your yeah, yeah. show, and Mark's show all because cool. they're shows we like and listen to. Great. Um, well, I, I hadn't listened to Mike's yet, but I'm interested in what he's doing. So tell yeah, us about Mike's that. Cool and, stuff. Yeah, 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 tell us about all those. Okay, so Mike Lewis, who was in the band Polar, he was also in a band called For Love. He said he was on my show. I did a two part episode with him. He was the head at Zambui. He does like band merch stuff mm-hmm. now, but he's also he done ships a ton all of the bad Christian stuff right now. He like does. all of That's our right. stuff is yep. at his warehouse in Nashville. So he if sure you does. order something from Bad Christian, it'll come from Mike. <laughs> I saw it when I was there. Actually, I think I took a picture of something that had like Bad Christian handwritten on it, and I said. Right your new logo is pretty awesome but yeah his new podcast is called giving is believing and i did a little preview of that on my show this week um he has one intro episode and then interest intro uh episode and then one with barrett ward who does uh fashionable it's like uh they make scarves that help the needy um so his focus of his show is like more just around like charity and adoption mm-hmm. and kind of faith type stuff that's kind of like where his heart is he goes to haiti a lot and does a lot of relief work and and stuff with orphans um so that's really cool um one thing i thought he said that was awesome on there what i was thinking about when we were talking about the church stuff was uh he said christians are really good at gathering in rooms and singing songs that's what he said i thought that yeah. was awesome well so maybe so. his show is a good place to go to look to see where you could give money instead of to your church Right. Or in addition to your church, maybe check out that. That'd be a good place for people to figure he's, out what uh, to do with money. I know he's got his pul- hand on the pulse there of, of uh, how to be giving. Out, yeah. Yes, sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, go ahead. <laughs> he's literally handed off rice off the back of a truck in Haiti. So if right. you're looking for people, he's definitely tapped in with the right people. So uh, giving and belie- giving is believing. That's Mike's. Mark's is called Never Was. His mm-hmm. website's ineverwas.com, and I produce his show and edit his show. Um, and then, you know, he's, uh, we've been longtime friends. Um, and then my show is called urban achiever. Um, my website is urbanachievershow.com and I'm on Instagram and all that stuff at urban achiever PC as you can reach out to me on Twitter and all that stuff. So, so if it's yeah. true that history repeats itself, uh, you, in the next few years, you'll probably like flame out, fall apart. And then podcasting and stuff will get super huge. It'll be huge. Right? I'll quit. I'll quit right like the year before yeah. it becomes the next right. big thing. That's when right. I'll quit. Yeah. And, but and for now, I'll... it's these really small underground shows <laughs> that you and Mike and Mark are doing. Just and leading I'll... the way. I'll Unbelievable. Some... So pay attention. What I'm saying is, I really mean that as a compliment, is pay attention to what Billy and some of these other people and innovators and forward thinkers are doing because I really do think it's important. And I do think it's paving the way. And I, I do think that, that a lot of the stuff that we're doing now, not that it's important what we're doing, but I think the types of things will continue to turn over and gain momentum and probably will go a lot more widespread than, than the stuff we're doing right now. I do yeah. believe that. No, I believe that for sure. I feel like all these shows like all have their niche and we all kind of like know each other and support each other and we're all kind of having this like broader conversation. I think it's really cool. Yeah, I'm, I'll for sure be that guy who's like working as a janitor and I'll be like, I used yeah. to have a podcast and never been yeah. anywhere. Anyway, like, Shut up, you never had a podcast. <laughs>
All right. Well, thank you so much, Billy. Sure. For, for it was joining a pleasure, us. guys. And, Thanks and, for having me on. And, and seriously, man, I mean, that, that is the truth. I mean, we really do respect what you've done. And, and even for us, I, I mean, it sounds cliche to say that, but I mean, you have seen things faster and more quickly than others and sometimes maybe even to your detriment like i, I mean like uh, to, to an extent of how quickly you pick up on what a trend would be or what would be cool or what is even real like i, yeah. I mean seriously that that's just amazing and and i don't want to take that for granted like i just think that's really cool not that you're a grandpa but at this at the same time i mean people, hey, retirement people, is great man it's, it's really great to be retired the, the aarp discounts are awesome so you're moving to boca you feel bad for me <laughs> but I mean, seriously, like you, you see things really quickly and maybe faster than a lot of people. And that's helped us be, have the opportunities that we have. So we really, I really, really do appreciate I really that. sincerely appreciate that. Thank you, Toby, for saying that. So it was, glad it was that great you to uh, be here on the show, man. You know, I'm a long time listener. Uh, right on. I think possibly hold the record for the most mentioned on your show before not being on here. So before finally, not being mentioned, yeah. yeah. totally, I finally I made totally the big show. <laughs> totally agree with that. Okay. We'll talk to you soon, Billy. We appreciate it. See you, man. Thank you so much. Peace. Right, see it. Billy Power, everybody. Billy Power. Now that when you get a podcaster, somebody else is comfortable being on there, you can just hop. It's yeah. hot. It's pepper. It's back and forth. That's great. It's fun also doing that with the three of us in the same room. We're actually I'm good, looking now, at each other. I, I and agree. And I agree. But I'm going to give him the credit yeah. for being really easy. You know, knowing what's going on. Definitely great person. He gets all the credit. He, I'm giving him done credit. everything. He's the pioneer, dude. Okay. What do you want me to do? Me take the credit? He pioneered sex. Like <laughs> he was the first person to have sex. We all are benefiting <laughs> from it right now because of Billy. I, I promise you, I would not He's have had the sex that I have without Billy Power. Right. His instruction has been world class. Right. He pioneered being born again. He yep. was the first one. One of the first. Yep. For he sure. was. Uh, yeah, he was one of the first vaginal penetration <laughs> people. <laughs> he when when vaginal penetration was underground. Yeah. When people was like, no way, I would never yeah, do that. He was all over. Billy it. Power was vaginal penetrated. <laughs> <laughs> all right, right let's so, move into a, a new thing that we're yeah, going to do so, here. So when we started the BC Club, uh, we have an all-in category. That's people that give $50 a month. Damn! Damn! Holy shit! So part of that perk was to call in and be on the podcast. So we're, we're finally starting to do that. We've got our first guest here. I just want to introduce all of our listeners to someone else who will be on these uh, calls, and that's Taylor Atkins. He oversees our mm -hmm. BC club, does a great job, has a background. Super cool, thing. dude. So let's, let's hear from our first ever BC club call in, and it is uh, Jeremy Lambert. Okay, so I'm going to play this call. You and Taylor talked to Jeremy on the phone last week. Yep. Right. All right. So we're gonna play this call, but we may talk over it if yeah. if something strikes Toby or I. We may chat. Oh, sure. Joey, Joey, get filthy. Uh, you know, once in a while. Here we go. See, this is okay, the first. Let's do it. Let's okay. check it out. All right. Well, Jeremiah, man, you've been. Is uh, it Jeremy or Jeremiah? In, in the BC Club, man. Did you call him by the wrong uh, name? Like March Probably the twentieth. So. <laughs> yep. And you're, and you're from. You're uh, terrible. Avon Park. Is that how you say it? Avon. Yep. Is that where Avon came from? Like the. I knew. You get that question a lot. Not at all, because no one ever, uh, no one even knows a place existed. <laughs> Middle of nowhere. So, uh, you're a youth pastor, am I correct? Yes, sir. So, do you want to take this opportunity to You'll shoot like this, back right? at Matt 
uh, with all of his insulting things that he's said about youth pastors? Not at all, because he's exactly right. Hell yes. <laughs> hey, thank you. I, uh, I got into youth ministry um, because that's kind of how God got me into the ministry was through youth youth ministry. And yeah. uh, where I feel God leading me in the ministry is I will continue helping with youth, but I don't want to be youth specific. Right. Um, you know, I want to be tied down to one particular age group. I want to, you know, kind of expand out from there. Gotcha. Now, but he, he's, he's gone a little overboard though, when he everybody says that everybody <laughs> that is pulled towards youth ministry is pulled towards wanting everybody. influence over younger <laughs> kids. I mean, that's just taking a little too far, maybe, oh, it's not that. but he's not here to, uh, Support him. I mean, yeah, I'm here now. Obviously, you're not going to jump into that saying, "Oh yeah, no, that's totally true." I'm definitely it's after a hanging out with young kids. The people attracted like, to ministries are weirdos. <laughs> no, I'm good. I'll pass. Hard pass. <laughs> well, cool, man. Like, uh, you married? Have kids? Or what's what's where are you at in life right now? Yeah, I'm a. Uh, uh, I married my first girlfriend. Um, we started date when I was uh, 15. Uh, she wouldn't date me until I could grow a beard, and I'm like, I'm 14. How do I do that? But uh, nice. once I turn 15, I can grow a beard. She'd date me, virgin. and uh, we've been together for going on <laughs> 11 like years a now, to me. Um, or over 11 years now. Uh, yeah, over 11 years. We've been married for our eight-year anniversaries in October. Uh, we got two kids. Uh, one is four. The other is one. And uh, we're all just hanging out, having a good time. Sweet, man. All right, we don't want to put you on the spot or anything. Uh, Did you guys have sex before marriage? No, I'm just kidding. All right, so (laughs) we we actually do want to not let you off the hook so easily because it's like, you know, you pick on people that you love. Like, (laughs) if I've got a little brother, which I don't, I mean, I'm going to pick on him a little bit. So we're going to put you on the spot for three tough questions. It's called the BC Club Big Three. And Do it. The nice, only rule Julie. is you have to answer them. I mean, if you don't answer Are them, we then run the we're whole not going to let you give us your money anymore, so. Can we do that? You know, <laughs> I mean, that's, that's, that's a firm punishment. All right, so number one, if one of us on the podcast, so Matt, Toby, or I, kills another one of us, are you going to stop giving? No, not really. So one of us murders another, and you're like, I'm supporting these guys. Uh, Yes. Wow. <laughs> Does it depend on who murders Pretty who or just anybody murders here. anybody and you're still supporting? <laughs> no wavering. If anybody murders anybody, I'd still support you because uh, people make mistakes. Dang. Uh, this is awesome. I, Taylor, I guess that will bring a whole new definition of bad Christian. Like, hey, yeah, I listen to the Bad Christian Podcast. One of the hosts killed the other one, <laughs> and so they really are pretty bad. Well, Any press is good press. Yeah, I guess as, as, as much hate as on the, the BC pod sometimes uh, – to hate someone is to kill someone. So we've already done it, haven't we? I mean, that's already <laughs> happened on the BC podcast. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> I mean, if if Toby's uh, intensity like shows hatred, then yeah. Why am I? I would say he's the most likely out. one to kill somebody. <laughs> Matt's way mean. If anything, Jeremiah has been supporting despite murder happening on the BC podcast. <laughs> there you go. There you go. All right, number two. If you had to give up one thing forever out of these two, what would it be? Sex or the Bad Christian Podcast? Bad Christian podcast for sure. Hesitate. I'd have to go for Bad Christian podcast. I'm sorry, man. No, no, no. no, no. No, You know, I would be very uncomfortable for the rest of our time with you if you did not answer that question. Hey, would y'all give up the Bad Christian podcast? I'm a little bothered that it took you so long to answer, but I'm going to let that pass. Number three, if one liquid or beverage could be the new water, what would it be? So, in other words, this liquid, you need to drink it all the time. It's really good for you. You drink it after you jog. You have to stay replenished with this liquid. Which liquid do you choose? 
Java Monster. Nice. Joyce is very much like, I like youth it. ministry I like it. questions. This, is youth hey, man, this segment should be uh, called Youth you Ministry on Youth before Ministry. Before we Works. say goodbye, I think everybody has a good little snapshot of, of Jeremiah. No, I work. love, love, love the fact huh? that people no, his to description meet folks works. that are uh, oh, helping us out. Why'd you go so um, easy? Just that... Uh, they just got believes in what we did. You could have grilled him and hey, changed his life forever. Grace is awesome. Either Grace is so you got to love everybody. First one. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. Taylor, you want to add anything? No, Jeremiah, thank you for being the uh, the first <laughs> to do this. And we're we're excited to for you to support us and uh, just appreciate for what all you've done for us. Absolutely. We really do, man. Thank you so much, Jeremiah. Okay. Thanks, guys. All right. All right. Well, thank you, Jeremiah. Yes, thank you to the BC Club people. Uh, All right, Taylor, I've bought some time. That's, uh, that's the first one. Are they, yeah. they going to get better? Is oh, that- yeah. We uh, we asked questions like if you could only pull me, mm-hmm. Matt, or Toby up from a cliff, the other two had to die. We hear mm-hmm. that one. That's I mean, going to be really wins. exciting. I'm not telling you. I'm, I'm very excited to hear that. Maybe you ask them boxers or briefs. So maybe, Jeremiah was know. the very first one. He got off easy because you didn't know what you are doing. Right. Taylor didn't know what he was doing, so he, he lucked out. Right. It gets tougher and tougher. Right. I actually asked somebody a sexual question and they did not pick like up on what bottom? I meant. And th- no, it, it, it was kind of <laughs> awkward. <laughs> it's kind of awkward. <laughs> what was yeah, the, so if you want to be on question, the, huh? What was it? No, you, you guys to just allude to it a little bit more than that. Allude? I'm not going to be lewd. Give us a little teaser. No, not going to. So we, we give did. the listeners a teaser. Uh, now I have to think about it. Now that's this is the part of the show where we're typically on into the news. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. is this is what you have in mind? Like, if we didn't do news anymore, would we just be doing more of this? Is that what you? Okay, hold on. This, this is this. Is, all right, I'm I'm picking up some bullshit vibes. Mm-hmm. You guys are very disappointed with the product. I'm not. I'm not. I'm, I, I loved it. I'm the son of a bitch loved that was tasked with doing something that right. we promised these people. Right. So if you guys want to do it, I, l- you I do thought it. it was unbelievable. <laughs> no, I, you I'm so proud of you. <laughs> Honestly, the, your dedication and the way that you handle yourself is hey, pretty yeah. respectable. Hey, if you guys want to take care of the interviews for our BC Club, you guys I thought it was amazing. I'm just saying, <laughs> would you rather, like, now I understand when you knock on the news, you'd rather be doing that for 20 minutes. No, all right, listen. I, I enjoy people, and I'm glad that we get to let other people hear people from the BC Club, but that's a that's a way tougher task than to come up with news stories. I would think it would have hinged uh, when I you mean, asked him, did he have sex before marriage, if you didn't, if you just let that hang. I would have been into that. Yeah, I could see that. Everybody would have loved that, except for the person on the other end of the line. Yeah, that's a dude that's giving us $50 a month. Right. Okay. But here's so the difference. Don't in, we want to treat them a, a, a little bit? It, with What if, Joey, what if, here's the thing. You know what everybody really cares about in the end? Right. Truth. <laughs> in a world where your friend is changing the world and the way, <laughs> <laughs> the way Christians view Christianity... By asking youth group questions <laughs> to people that want to him youth to ask leaders. In, in, <laughs> to youth leaders. My name is Toby Morrell, and this is the damn news. Hey, All Toby. Right. Toby, I'm, I'm I report- can't hear you. Sorry. I'm reporting. Sorry, I can't hear you. I'm reporting Toby Morrell hypocrisy hour. You just polished off a full pizza, and you've been lounging the whole damn time we've been doing this interview with Billy Power and the rest of this podcast. 
So I, I'm just going to leave it there. Go ahead with your news. Thanks, man. Lounge your pizza eating mother. Oh, are you stunned? Hey, man. Uh, <laughs> just got a weird call for extra pizza. Oh, shit. Steve or Neil? <laughs> <laughs> Steve is so much cooler yeah. in a way. Neil's kind of like stoner. But Steve, Steve's legit. <laughs> All right, I thought this was kind of interesting here, guys, and um, I'm not sure if you're going to go with me or not on this. I hope you do. You may have heard that the divorce rate in church in the church is 50%. The get ready to be shocked. Joey? Okay, I'm getting ready to be shocked. <laughs> this is a game changer. Talk about an old wives' tale. <clears throat> You've heard it said that 50% of all marriages end in divorce. Mm-hmm. Two, most marriages that do happen to make it are nonetheless unhappy. And three, Christians are just as likely divorced as non-believers. These claims long understood to be research-based facts never quite sat right with me, this guy says, who is, let me tell you his name, Matt Barber. Basically, as it turns out, your gut was right. It's all nonsense, urban legend of a sort, propagated most likely by the same postmoderns who today seek to similarly undermine the God-designed institution of legitimate man-woman marriage by redefining it into oblivion. Shanti Feldhahn, mm-hmm. <laughs> y'all know who she is, she's been on our podcast, is a Harvard-trained researcher and author. In her recently released book, The Good News About Marriage, debunking discouraging myths about marriage and divorce, Feldhahn details groundbreaking findings from an extensive eight-year study says the actual divorce rate has never gotten close to 50%. This is what her study shows. Those who attend church regularly have significantly lower divorce rate than those who don't. Most marriages are happy. Simple changes make a big difference in most marriage problems, and most marriages, uh, most remarriages succeed. So, I mean, it, it goes on to say a bunch of different stuff. Basically, what she's saying is she had heard all these rumors now she calls them rumors, which she took as scientific fact. But basically, urban legend, rumor. Yeah. But basically, Christian marriage and marriage in general is a lot better than a lot of people say. Mm-hmm. So, what do you think's behind that? Why would people so quickly tend to do that? What, what What's the point of saying, yeah, marriages are failing? Well, like any statistic, what people are doing, of course, when you hear a shocking statistic, it's you have to know that it's not as shocking as stated. That's right, just the way it is. It's kind of a ploy. To so I, I, I'm not going to get into the statistics, but I I will say that any fraction of it is still horrifyingly bad. That's where I'm going to go with it. Yeah, it's, it's probably more. It's more like twenty to twenty five percent in the divorce. Oh, so really good. Right, <laughs> that's awful. If one, okay, let me give you another statistic. One out of four children is sexually assaulted or raped. Yeah, not, not bad at all. Yeah, we were thinking it was bad. two. We were thinking it was four. We, yeah, we thought it was two out of four. It's yeah. not bad at all. Okay, so divorce is horrible. It's a big deal. Look at it this way: there's 300 million people. There, I don't know how many marriages there are. There's 300 million people in the United States. Twenty, even 20 percent, not 50. Let's go 20 percent of heterosexual, regular, legal marriages end in divorce. Okay, well, that's horrible to the institution of marriage and families compared to 3% of the population is gay and probably most of them are not married. And so the whole big hubbub about, let's just say, gay marriage 
is less than 1% of the population. It's probably half a percent marrying another half a percent at most. So if you don't like that, that's still very insignificant to compare to even if 20% of marriages ending in divorce, Christian or not. Which one's a big deal? To me, still a big deal. I agree, but what is behind Joey? What is behind the idea that it's way higher than not? Why do you think that that's been propagated? And, uh, I mean, what's the goal behind people just wanting to? Now, when you say that? people, are you talking about the church? All or of are you us. talking about I mean, people? Uh, in I general? mean, you and I have thought that. Yeah, yeah we've inevitably quoted 50%. half of divorces and the, the yeah, one half that of says Christians are even worse. Yeah. Like, yeah, that, that, I've that, said that, that for I, sure. I think Christians do it because it. it I think when we express hypocrisy in the church, it almost makes us feel like we're doing something mm-hmm. justified, and it helps unbelievers saying, "Yeah, we're we're not, you know, yeah. we're not as good." And it kind of puts other Christians in their place. But yeah. I don't know why people in general, maybe because it makes people that are still married feel better. It's like, eh, you know, how many divorces there it's are. Like so the many show, are I'd divorced. say it's like the show Law and Order. The whole point of the show Law and Order is to see how bad stuff is out there, so you aren't bad, right? So the more you can see bad stuff, the more you feel like you're not bad. So yeah. if 50% of divorces end in marriage, it's good for me because I ain't divorced. Right. So even even against all odds, I'm making it through. Yeah. I think, there's, I think, a, I think in, there's a root of pride and yeah. arrogance t- to it. And, and it's like, impossible yeah. not to have it. I truly sure. believe that e- even we can almost be, I don't know, 60%, yeah, you know, humble about it all. You know, God be the glory. I'm still married, but there's a part of us that's just like we're better than everybody else that got right. divorced. Right. So, so it w- I wish it was 99 percent people got divorced. Then I'd be the golden one percent, baby. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, that's that's why. I still think though it's probably more than what there's even this article saying well, too. Though it's again, more, it's worse. Half of what they're saying is still horrifyingly bad for yeah something you care. But about. I mean, I think it's still worse, and I I think marriage is always in danger. Even how, even how many even, horrible marriages are not people that are divorced? Though? Yeah, that's what I'm I saying. Mean, trust like, me, it's not right. I mean, all right. So I'm going to ask you, what uh, do y'all think percentage wise great marriages are? Like, way if, less if you, than ten percent. Golly, what Joey, call, Joey, what do you think? What do you great call a great marriage? Way less though. than ten. Happy, <laughs> just great. Glad to see your spouse. Wanting to stay in it and not not thinking, great, not thinking Ashley great. Madison. That's rare. Less than ten. Less than ten percent. You think that? I don't know uh, if I'd go that far. How, where would you go? 15? Just say a number. 30. You think 30% of marriages are good? Are great. Out of 100. Are great. I, th- again, that is such a subjective word to use for marriages. Like, what about a couple that says, you know what? Marriage is hard. We are so glad we are in this together. And, man, there's such a sense of satisfaction that we are. No, but you're talking. I, I, yeah. that, you, so use that for your yardstick. That's under 25%. Matt, you're basically, right. you're basically saying then a successful marriage are marriages that are just like, hey, oh, man, no, no, so no, 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 Let me use your rule. My okay. parents do not say that. Your parents don't say what? What you just said. The thing you said, like, you know what? It's hard, but we're glad we're in this together. My parents do not say that shit. What do they say? They're just together. Nothing. They're together. They don't say shit. They're not getting <laughs> They're divorced. just not divorced. That's what I'm saying. Like The people that could articulate what you just said that's not anywhere close to the norm. Okay. I'm going to ask you a question. What's the percent chance that you and Jessica get a divorce in this lifetime? Higher than I used to think. <laughs> Give me a number. Now he says depends on how long he, he lives. That's all. Give me a number. 
I would say less than 5%. I would agree. But I used to think. So what? That's just one person. But no no matter what you're talking about, one person. Who would it be on? Would Jessica just get so fed up with you, or would you cheat on her? I think it would be equal right down the middle where we would go, hey, we just need to see. We'll just be happy. I've had enough. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's enough of this. Just both of them say, hey, yeah, hey, yeah. hey we're doing yeah. our weekly hey. husband wife sit okay. down and making I, plans for the week. Hey, before we start, who, I'm just like, okay. you know, I think again, I'm set up. You know what? I again, am too. <laughs> again, use that for your barometer. How many husbands and wives have a weekly sit down to plan out their shit? Right. <laughs> they don't do, my parents don't do right. that. Right. <laughs> they do totally. not do that. Nobody does that. You might. It's, Toby it's, might. You might be the best two no. in the world. That's not nobody. Is there doing a that. part of you that is like, I'm really glad that what's Bridget the percent and I, you and Priscilla getting divorced? Uh, the chance of me and Priscilla getting divorced one, less than one percent. Honestly, point zero 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 one. But because there's always a possibility. But we're so in fucking in love. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I'd say. <laughs> I guess I'd say three percent or less. Oh, that's awful. Oh, man. Man. You're, that's only you're two really less dude. than him. No, I'm saying no, you're awful. You're that's red. Sad. Yeah. <laughs> You make me sick. You're probably gonna. Get I thought divorced. you were into commitment. Yeah, you don't get. I mean, you should say zero. Well, I mean, if she just did, if she hey, she think, just makes my penis Priscilla feel so good. Say? What do you think Priscilla would say? <laughs> Self-reporting on this issue what would, is absolutely what, Matt, useless. What would Bridget say? What is your percentage, and what do you think Bridget would say? Bridget thinks they are divorced. So yeah, self-reporting is useless on this matter. Is what what does you. Matt think his chance of divorce is? Single digits. Okay. What does Bridget think? Single digits. I'm sure we would agree. Only because you forced her, because you're a terrible husband. Because I'm authoritarian. She has no way of out. <laughs> yeah. And of course she would say that yeah. because of your... But mainly yeah. because of the prenup. Tell, tell. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that's damn news hey, with damn I thought we Toby. had one more. Nope. Oh, damn news is All about right. damn over. Screw it. So, uh, Dr. Divorce over here. Got to finish the <laughs> podcast. Go ahead, Dr. Divorce. <laughs> hey, I want to take this time. To uh, send some shout-outs. you have an Ashley Madison account? Yes or no? Just be Do honest I? right now. Yeah. An old email, maybe? Hey, okay. Oh, oh hold maybe on. Let's, let, okay, let, uh, hold on, hold on. Let's be honest here. Have either of you, and I'll answer truthfully too, oh, shit, ever gone to AshleyMadison.com? This week? Yes. No, I went to it this week. For what? See what it was. You had never been there before. No, I've never been on the URL. I never heard of it. I, never heard of it. I definitely broke. had heard of it, but I went to it this week because when the stuff came out, I wanted to see what can you see without signing up? What what would you have to sign up to what see? What did you see? Nothing. I didn't put in an email. So yeah, it, still, it still exists. Like they're trying yeah. to still get well, people. Well, I mean, it's still up. I don't I don't imagine they've had a lot of sign ups. Yeah. <laughs> it's, right now, it's like blurred out stuff where, like, oh, I wish I could see who this was because there's like a, you know, but you have to enter. It's a pop up with you. You had to put your email in before you could get. To see what that was behind it, kind of thing. So, Matt how about you? A, Matt is addicted. No, I've never been. I actually. Matt is a dick. Matt is addicted to. I'm addicted to cheating, cheating sites. Cheating uh, sites for sure. <laughs> yes. I mean, no doubt about it. But I have never been to it. I, I I didn't even think. I never even considered it. Like it sounded like an absurd thing that I thought was. I actually thought it was like some novelty, weird thing. I never even thought of it. And now that it's come out, I was like, oh wait, I guess this was real, and people tried to do something. But anyway, all right, all right. Hey, I want to say uh, some. Uh, yeah, kind, I want to say, say some kind things to some people that have helped us out in the past and still. So, if you to were a fruit, out. Jeremiah, what fruit would you be <laughs> for Christ? <laughs> what fruit would you be for Christ? <laughs>
<laughs> Great interviewing. I mean, you you killed it. You killed it. All the BC clubbers are like, oh shit, Joey's gonna oh, nail me. <laughs> this is gonna be intense. Oh goodness. All right, so Jeannie Mitchum, we appreciate you taking photographs, helping us out with our blog and all that sort of Look stuff. Look at Sean, this photograph. Sean Liebernight answers our email. So when you are taken care of, that's Sean Liebernight and Giardina. Giardina, BC Club admin. Thanks, Thank you. Anne. Matthew Carlson helps us out. Mm. Gina Papatonio. What? You've helped us out a lot with the blog in the past. Thank you. Jenny McPherson, you've been mm. a huge help, and you still continue to send out postcards for us. And last but not least, Peter Demick. You've been with us since day one. Just want to send shout Dude, outs to all you Pete, guys. Pete Demick. All right. it, Pete Demick is an epidemic. Yeah. All right. A fun. Time's up, guys, but I have to know. I've been wanting to ask Toby this a really long time. Now that we're finally in person, all in the same room, Toby. Yes. If you were a breakfast cereal for Christ, 